All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here uh, with a very special guest, uh, Wunder, MSI champion 2019, 2018. The man who, I remember 2018, this was, uh, was 2018 the Super Wonder Man or was 2019 Super Wonder Man? I think it might have been 2018. It was 2018, no? 2018, yeah. Because 2018 was a pretty fucking sick Wonder year. I remember this year. You guys it ran was... into IG and then you guys just, uh, you guys overperformed and you reached uh, your peak and you stopped trying. Uh, what did Young Buck say? <laughs> yeah, it was along those lines, yeah. I don't actually remember, but. Uh, oh, it was okay. I mean, we didn't win in Europe. Actually, I think our summer split, we got like knocked out in quarters, but then we bounced back in Gauntlet. Uh, made worlds anyways that shit was messy bro it's, it's, so, it's weird how everything plays out because like Schalke played was it Schalke I think Schalke played the finals right and then uh, I remember they all I got think, sick actually was it Schalke who played the finals it's I think Schalke we went like against three Fnatic. I think we went three two against like because we were running the gauntlet we went like three yeah, two yeah. against Splice that was like our hardest match and then everything else we three one I think because I remember it was like the Schalke team, uh, they were they went to party some of the players after the finals that they lost against Fnatic. And then they had the gauntlet one week after. And I remember it was like some of their players were sick <laughs> and it was a complete mess. I remember after talking about this. <laughs> yeah, Schalke made finals. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even, we hadn't like played for like four weeks, I think. Uh, before the gauntlet, we were like knocked out in round one. So. Yeah, yeah. Was it against Misfits, you guys? Yeah, yeah, we got. I think, I think we got three olds. I think we got three olds by Misfits. Yeah, uh, they were playing like Draven, Diving Bot, Level Two stuff like that. Mm, like we were just times. getting completely fucked. Good times. Yo, did you see the Eminence thing on Twitter? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I saw people react to it as well. But I don't know. Like, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I think of course, like of course, it's really stupid to write something like that. And he has like already like a uh, what's it called? He has like a stigma against him already that he's like this toxic guy. Yeah, yeah. But I think like like sure like disciplinary action like within the team or like something like that. But I think if he gets punished, like if he loses a world spot, I, something like that, I think up. that would be completely crazy. <laughs> because I was watching, I think I was watching like earlier today, like Cade will react to it. Yeah, and yeah. he was like spinning all these ideas of like. Okay, now Jojo Pune is gonna play for them or Diplex or whatever, right? Like I don't actually know who, who will okay. play for them. But I feel like if that's gonna be the outcome of this, then yeah, I don't know. Like I mean I would I would not write something like he did in the first place, but I would be extra careful, you know, because I would feel like that's like way too far. Yeah, yeah. Like he shouldn't lose games or like lose anything. Maybe he can get like a little fine, you know, or uh like internal, like a warning by riot, you know. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's like the extent it goes to. It was just like really blown up because he attacked. Like if this was just a random player, he just attacked the streamer instead. That that's like I guess all of it. It's like in the context of league, I don't think it really matters. But in the context of his history, as you mentioned, and the fact that he's on C9, that part matters because like. You represent way more. Like if someone, um, so, some random wrote that to some random, I don't think it would matter. Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think anyone should ever get banned for writing anything. Maybe like just chat restricted. I think it's yeah. just like a message is a message, right? But it's like with with his history, I, like if if he gets if he doesn't play worlds, 
you, it has to be C9 needs to view it from the point of view where they get a competitive advantage by pulling the plug on something like this. Like if, if it's a huge yeah, idea yeah, okay. and they think they are better, then they could just fucking throw it. I mean, I, I also think that I think the only like the only reason he should not be playing at Worlds if is like Cloud9 themselves were already planning to like replace him. You know, this should not be the one that like pushes it pushes that decision, you know. Uh but I also think I mean I also saw like a lot of people say that um because he wrote this, he's for sure like a toxic person within the team, and that's just like not true yeah, at all. Right? Yeah. Like I have played with, and even myself, I have written things in solo queue like many years ago. That where at the same time I would never like. I mean, I would be like a good teammate. You know, this has like nothing to do uh, with each other, right? Uh, this is like I mean, writing something. I I kind of agree with. I saw like what he posted on Twitter. I mean, I agree with the message. It was just like not the right situation for it. I agree with the fact that as a professional, it really fucking sucks to not be able to like just have to take shit all the time in solo queue. Yeah, yeah. Because people can get away with it and you can't get away with saying anything back. Like that part of it fucking sucks, of course. Mm. Like you would never have like a football player have to play like queue up and like play f <laughs> practice with like some fucking random shitters that just call you like names and they know how you <laughs> fucking look like they know your career history and shit like that you don't know anything about them you just have to sit and take it because you get banned right like i agree with that like, i agree that that fucking sucks but this was like just not the right situation for it i guess yeah it's like i i, I can agree with the notion that it it blows but it's also like part of the job right it's like yeah you are in the the eye of public scrutiny, and I think in in most cases, like that's the only reason we get paid for the for the job, right? Is because there's enough eyeballs, and those eyeballs are gonna use anything against you or for you, right? So it's just it's like that's that's what you get paid for, Eminence. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm curious. I, I'm assuming that this is gonna be forgotten like very soon. I just figured that I'd bring it up because it's, it's it was kind of funny. That he they pulled the go back to your country after he, he's played uh -huh. in like Turkey and Europe and NA. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, also like I mean, some people I guess like final for me like some people were saying it was like like he is racist for saying stuff like this, but like I mean, like no one is like racist for saying go back to Europe. You know, is this is like a whole fucking region. You know, he didn't call him like he didn't. Yeah say anything about his country or where he's like he just said fucking europe you know i mean yeah he's like he, he said country specifically but i think I, like i understood it as like oh, I thought he, server, he said you know? like he said like disgusting eu streamer or something no that yeah, was like what i meant like, that, yeah. like european streamer like i mean i mean i don't put that much weight in it uh no, for in sure. that sense agreed agreed i think the final thing is did you did you see the game like, I think if anything, I could imagine that he's annoyed that the guy is, like, in the lobby playing Pantheon. <laughs> because the, the way... The solo queue game itself, or...? Yeah, yeah because the way the, the game kind of played out, I don't see what he could have really done too much. Because the clip starts from, like, he's, like, level four, he's, like, bouncing out against Kesante, and Kesante's, like, contesting in, like, two waves. Kindred is there, he W's uh, on the Kindred, is out, and the wave slow pushing out, he's playing, like, Flash Ignite. Then he bases, comes back, and then Kisanta gets six and just ults him under the turret, Kindred stayed, and then he's just, he's playing Pantheon and he's kind of fucked, so 
he just yeah. couldn't really play the game anymore. Uh, I didn't. Just... I didn't see the. I didn't see the game. But that was also why I said it's like probably the wrong like situation that he, like that he's stressed out about. You know, because I think like flaming people for like underperforming. That's just like I mean, then if they are this bad, then they're probably at some point gonna fall out of your elo right or something like this. But yeah, yeah. I think it's more. It more applies to when they are like, well, for one in thing, but also like writing to you you know yeah, <laughs> then yeah. it's like then it gets like a little bit more annoying right but I, I i assume like from seeing like some spear shot stuff that he didn't like he doesn't strike me as like the guy who uses chat a lot or no he's no yamato's like death he's he's cool yeah he's cool for sure <laughs> yeah i um uh, i was curious you know this this whole thing how uh like considering th this has been a wild year for you under really really wild it it feels almost strange when i try to think back of winter and to consider that this has been like the the same year does, does it yeah. feel surreal to you at all <laughs> uh i mean like honestly i only played like i only played what like on stage three weeks right until we got Nine locked games, out yeah. in winter i guess before that we had like what maybe like three weeks of practice i guess mm uh so like one and a half months something like this of like playing with the team uh and i think i mean we had like like a lot of fucking issues um and yeah i mean all of this like happening and then like i, I feel like like a lot of people thought i was like I, like because i did leave the team or i didn't want to participate in the tryouts like all of this i, I mm -hmm. assume like most people know but I didn't like leave the team on like I wasn't there was like no bad blood, you know. It was just like okay, we went our opposite ways. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people were like surprised when I decided to like help them out, you know. I mean I still um what is it called? I still have like friends on the team like Ivan and, and Marek, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah, and I guess it was like a good opportunity for me possibly i mean there was like a lot of risk involved coming back with like limited practice but it worked out so i think it was like good business for both sides right i i think i think they should it's they are unlucky in the fact that like the whole oscarini thing played out i'm kind of curious if the story ever comes out but it's not gonna come from me what happened uh, um yeah it's like the, the top lane was probably the best role to break your hand in <laughs> if you had to pick a role because it's like uh, I, yeah probably because 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 you already there right and then it's like maybe after you maybe probably it's like you would consider like whippo and i i see both of you as like people that could could view a situation like this this and really find a way to to slot yourself in it's like you, you are very pragmatic and and reasonable and i think that uh you you are very very adaptable. I think if if it happened in any other position, like if humanoid like broke his hand, I think like the run would just end right there. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, it it obviously depends on what kind of replacement you can get. Like for example, let's say if AD was the one who needs, needed to get replaced, but you have like a really like mechanically good AD that yeah, can yeah. just like then of course it's not that bad either. But besides that, I think probably top lane is like the easiest to just stop in unless your team really like heavily relies on like a certain i mean unless the top lane is way worse of course which in fact like then he can't compete at all right yeah, or yeah. if your team like 
I mean, in this method, no team is probably like that. But if you really heavily rely on your top laner doing something special that not many people can do, you know? No, of uh, course. But yeah. In, in, in terms of, um, just to, to, to give you the, the full chance to, to clarify completely, it's like you not continuing in spring. It's like, I know that you didn't do trials, right? And uh, is it something you want to share in terms of why you chose to, to, to step down and uh, to take a step back? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, there's like a lot of, I think back then, like, let's say, uh, when winter ended, we had like a long conversation, uh, both one on ones, and also as a team of like, what went wrong, and like, what we wanted to change and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, like, it's no secret that, I mean, I guess it is kind of, maybe not a lot of people know, but uh, I was not really enjoying working with like the coaching stuff yeah yeah and um also like and some of the decisions that were made around that and also uh bot lane like there's no secret that bot lane was like a really huge issue um not in terms of like uh, what is it called like first like attitude or anything it was just didn't work like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that was just like a lot of issues gameplay related mostly but then of course like when you have issues it also becomes like not personal, but of course it affects like everyone in different ways. Um, and I gave like, well, I basically just asked that we could make some changes, right? Uh, I think even before the split started, like the year started, I was really trying to get Miki and Hansama to join, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I think for sure we made downgrades uh, in bot lane from 2022 to 2023 um but i also think that some of the dynamics we had before that also needed to change so it was like a necessary thing but just not the best execution i guess on the roster changes um but i think like after that after winter i something had to change and i said it but then when i got the basically there was like a two-week downtime period where like I felt like there was like no communication. Like we were just staying in Berlin. We heard like rumors of tryouts that were supposed to happen. Mm. But I kept like asking around like to the players on the team and also uh, the managers and all this kind of stuff to like give some kind of information like who's participating in the tryouts. Um, when are they going to be, you know, like are we, gonna, are we supposed to go home and then come back because we were just staying like for no reason, doing nothing. Um, and then like I heard the rumored roster mm. and i felt like nothing was gonna change uh like basically it was not like an upgrade maybe it was like side grade maybe small upgrade but it was like not like not anything special at all and then they also told me that they were gonna try out oscar right um and then i was like thinking to myself if i was a if i was a free agent because basically they put me in a position where if they are tr considering tryouts for someone in my role and I just like go into tryouts and grief them because I don't want to be on the team. Like if I was a free agent, I wouldn't actually want to play for this yeah, roster, yeah. both because we had like issues, but also because there was like no upgrades, right? There was just like side grade, uh, like probably going into to spring. So I was like, yeah. Uh, if I'm, if it's possible, I'm gonna sit the trials out. You know, like I'm not, I don't want to participate in them because I don't actually, 
I would rather take a break than play with this team. Both because of like how like the environment was with us losing and all this kind of stuff, but also because of the quality of the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, there were like mixed signals when I said that. I mean, because uh, then I heard like from some people that the tryouts with Oscar was just like a courtesy done uh, because they felt like they needed to reward him for good performances in the ERL and they actually mm -hmm. were never intending on ever replacing me regardless of how the tryouts go. Okay. So they want me to play. And I, I like I heard like a lot of stuff, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I basically said I already kind of made my made up my mind. So, I mean, if they I always made it clear to them if they want me to play, like no matter what, then I'm under contract, like I'm going to play for them, right? Uh, this is. But then there was also like a there was like, yeah, but we also want you to change this and make you be aware of this. Uh, like basically trying to maybe like put the blame on me a little bit for how it went in winter and mm. something they wanted me to change coming into spring, which I thought was completely not fair and also came from set coaching staff uh, that I, I guess, like wanted to <laughs> replace anyways. Mm. So I felt like it like, kind of like had no weight, the words that were said to me. And it was like just, uh, yeah, it kind of made me like a little bit like unsure about me actually wanting to continue. I see. Uh, and that's basically everything summed up. I mean, there was, it was like a there was a lot of like miscommunication or just like radio silence for like some days. And I guess that made it like a little bit harder to kind of like, I guess, make everything clear uh yeah so basically like um you figured with the roster changes that a lot of the like most of the problems would just carry over from winter to spring and Fnatic basically offered you an out and you 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 thought okay i'm, I'm gonna take yeah i mean that, that is yeah if that like that's like the tldr i guess uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that if they give me like a, a possibility an option to to not continue to discontinue and i'm not like too stoked about well both the lineup and like how the potential because winter was like complete depression mm. for a lot of reasons and i was i would rather not play it than go through that you know so that was like my my out i guess in a way of course and um from the point of view of um you taking uh, a split off for essentially, I guess, the first time ever, right? It's like you've, yeah. you've always been very, very busy. Uh, I guess the the like largest chunk of time has been like those like years where you didn't qualify to the World Championship, where you've had the most time off. But even then, it's like you've screamed with McDonald's teams and so forth. H how did that? Uh, feel looking at the LEC from from the outside for the first time ever since 2016. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, honestly, it was kind of fun the first bit, I think. Mm. Um, I mean, having a break, just like, I mean, I still got like the jitters, you know, like when it was the weekends and I, I was like watching game one, you know, because usually in G2 and Fnatic, we always had like the late games yes yes so like watching the first game from like your normal setup pc would be pretty normal right like mm. uh 
you just do that before you go to the studio or whatever. So I would always be like, um, I could feel like my, I would get like a small like heart rate increase, you know, that now it's almost my time to go on stage for the weekend. Uh, but it was still kind of fun to just like watch everything and not actually get to participate. But I think in in the summer split, like the latest split, uh, I got kind of bored of doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also I wanted to, I mean, I still want to compete. And also I felt like at least like top lane, some of these people, they were, <laughs> they were not performing as good and I thought I could do better. Hmm. Um, so there was like a lot of things, like a lot of emotions about like not playing. But I feel like the break has been nice anyways. Uh, at least like when I s <laughs> then now came back in for Fnatic, I, I was like a lot more chill. And of course, it's not my like when I if I lost a one with Fnatic, it wouldn't have mattered um, for my uh, participation at Worlds because I was not going to play at Worlds mm. anyways. So. I don't have as much, I guess, like in it as maybe they do because they have been working the entire split for it. So maybe that would also make me a bit more chill. But I think just like the break or like the time off has made me like, yeah, I, I would not uh, join in on getting tilted in scrims if people were getting tilted. I would just like smile and smile and brush mm -hmm. it off, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird on my end now. It's like this is the first year where I haven't competed for the full year. It's like the longest time I was off was like one split. And then I joined LCK that, that same year. It's, um, it, it, it has felt, it, it feels like I found, finally had the time to, to think through how I want to work and what I need to improve on. And like, just to take a step back and gain like perspective. Cause I feel like when you're in the midst of it, everything kind of goes by so quickly where every day you just have to be on 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 in a way where it's like the the focus uh, becomes almost sometimes tunnel vision unless you you stop yourself which can be good to tunnel vision because you need to to win every single game but um uh, in terms of that type of thought process like watching the lc top lanes from outside are, are you beginning has your mind uh did you begin to imagine what you need to do to come back into the LEC in, in a form that is going to exceed maybe the wonder peak of pass? Uh, I thought I thought about it for sure, yeah. I mean, I was planning, I mean, I am still in like four days going to go to Korea as well, right? And I was planning to like play. Uh, of course, like this is, there's still like a lot of, a few months from when the next bit starts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was planning to put in more work. I mean, of course, like there's the big, the big meme about like playing solo queue and all that. But yeah, just yeah. like in general, I think, um, yeah, I mean, scrims have always been like very draining uh, for like a lot of people, right? It's like a fact when you if scrims are not going well in your team, then you're probably less likely to stay after scrims and play like a lot of solo queue or just stay around in the office. Like I remember like fanatic, like for, well, I was going to say two years now, but the, at least like last year when we were there and if scrims weren't going well, like people would just peace out. Uh, yeah. And this is like very normal for a lot of teams, but yeah, I was going to already now know that like, um, regardless of what happens, just like put in the hours in the office, like if it is to watch games, talk about the games or like just play, uh, I think everything 
kind of like benefits and yeah i mean of course like there's also individual things for like in-game related stuff but i think that's like the big one when it comes to this i guess uh, approach to the to the season like uh, scrims is, is is something that i've thought about probably the most out of any topic now that i've had time off i feel i, th- I think especially in the context of what we went through i think there's so many things that need to be in place before you actually scrim and i think on our end when certain things weren't in place when it was like for example individual play or or maybe there was um, draft misalignment it's like you you are going in it's like in in theory essentially what you would do is that in order to prepare for a test you just keep repeating a similar test and hope that this is the best way of of practicing but essentially it's like there's so much things that can be done before scrims because how many games are wasted because someone dies level three or doesn't know the matchup or there's a concept that someone doesn't understand and you butt but your heads and then you have to use a little timing window of 10 to 15 minutes to uh, unravel so so much more but in reality if things are breaking broken down and uh, there's there's so many more different ways to 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 practice and prepare for scrims rather than just trying to solve everything through scrims i feel like 2020 2022 for us it's like we started so damn late and then we just jumped into scrims and then everyone had different ideas of what the hell should be going on and when you have players that are less vocal or 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 have um kind of predisposed uh, opinions about one another those things begin to fester and then you begin to create habits and a culture of let's say something that you necessarily don't believe in and then when you're too far down the line you end up uh, trying to just maintain what you have rather than trying to build something more because that's how our summer split kind of ended up so on the topic of like scrims in terms of what you believe how scrims should be set up is this something that you've 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 thought about more uh i know that we have we had discussions back in 2022 but i remember there were times where we just said yo currently this player is underperforming we need to take the time to he needs to take the time to get his shit together uh, right now there's no point in screaming we did <laughs> uh, pull some of those in, uh, yeah. on occasion which i think was the correct decision i think um i mean on the top of the scrims it's always hard to say because you kind of have to judge the group that you're with like i think for for us it was like I, of course, like I always think, there like being prepared for scrims is always better than 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 not being prepared, right? Like uh, knowing your matchups, as you said. Like for example, uh, like right now, as when I subbed in for Fnatic again, right? Like I had like a few select matchups that I was gonna well try to get proficient in, mm-hmm. and if I was just playing, like I had basically, <laughs> I think we had maybe like five days of practice. And some of them were even like one or two games in the in the green rooms at the arena, right? So it was not even like uh, like a a big a big multiple like games. It was mm-hmm. just like a few games. And I think if I was gonna like try playing everything and try like every matchups, the scrims wouldn't have been purposeful at all. Yes, yes. So I think for sure, like making making sure the scrims at least have purpose in the beginning, 
uh, is always good. And of course, like the issues we have or we had uh, in the team was that uh, we had like a lot of veteran players. For example, well, Marek was with with Matt, right? And mm. Matt was like notorious for having really bad scrims. Yes, yes. And I think once you see like signs of it kind of resorting it like going into the old ways like for him probably he was feeling oh well here we go again you know like another year of like complete shit scrims (laughs) and then you already have like this ingrained in your mind and then maybe you stop like trying so hard when it comes to scrimming uh you are like okay well we'll just have to make it work (laughs) in the stage games right and but this all all comes down to what kind of people you have on the team um like there was, there's people as well where if scrims go bad, they they like to put it on themselves to to fix everything, right? Like for example, uh, I remember when like when Perks like felt like something was going bad around mid jungle, uh, he would like call over Yankos and they will go or reap. Like he would be the one who engaged in this kind of stuff. And I think of course like a coach can do this as well, uh, but it means a little it means a bit more when like a player is pushing for it you know to yes, like yes. fix to fix the issues that that happens in their well in the daily in the daily life right which mm. is scrims um so yeah i mean there's a lot of things you can implement i think for sure something i've thought about was also putting it more on myself to to fix issues there's of course like issues that you can't fix let's say like you can you can try to but you can't like always be in charge of like let's say if your bot lane is running down some certain matchups in 2v2 and that makes scrims unplayable you just have you can help them but not you don't have to like go there and like backseat them you know this is not what i'm talking about but at least like fix the team team wide issues that everyone can participate in this is something i would probably take more on myself as well uh, next year i'm glad to hear that i'm glad to hear that Yes, I think I I I always I always felt like you in a strange way underestimate the impact that you can have on others because I think your social awareness is extremely like like your social intelligence is extremely high. I think that uh in esports, think, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think I think in in Probably you wouldn't, I, I can't imagine that you would want to be maybe in the future, but I, I, I would think that you would be a very, very strong coach one day <laughs> when you feel ready I thought it. about it. I mean, I thought about it, but only because uh, going back to the, to school sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like a really, really unfortunate option for me. <laughs> I got all that. Uh, you can just sell them a side trophy for millions. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i'll do that solid gold uh, msi medal and then you just you just um tell promise to send his as well and then you sell two and it's, yeah, gonna, it's sure. gonna be great i think i think it was now more than ever with the format i think the the time you take before the year starts is so essential because it's like looking at g2 that year i didn't think that their roster was that strong uh i think I think BB has made like uh, a very, very strong name for himself and an argument for himself over the last two years. But like on paper, in terms of them winning spring that year, I attribute that to all of the work, all of the work they did 
during like the off season in terms of scrimming and in terms of playing because they were scrimming at Worlds already then 2021 and um, I think that preparation combined with alignment of agreeing is like this is how scrims are going to look like this is the expectations this is what it means to be a teammate this is what people believe is important in a team environment I think making sure that you align on those things is also important because it's like when we started in 2022, it's like uh, you mentioned, you described Humanoid very, very well in terms of, you know, that coming back to him and dawning on us, oh shit, these scrims are going to fucking suck and this is going to be draining. And I think on, on the flip side, for example, Hilly, he's a very slow starter, like he needs to run it down for a sort of three weeks uh, before he gets into his form. And yeah. in those three weeks, if he feels signs of like someone losing trust or then he will begin to fight uh, a little bit more. And I think that that's like a part of Hilly's process, right? Because in the end, I understand from his point of view why he would continue doing what has worked for him very, very long, right? Because it's like, in the end, he has had a very strong history of like making finals almost uh, like pretty much on every team that he's been on, right? With UL, Mad Lions, with Fnatic, like he's, he's figured out the formula that works for him. And you mentioned it's like, we have, uh, a, a group of veterans and then uh, Razor coming of course uh, from from Misfits with uh, a very specific environment of uh, him being like in a team gaming house and then moving into a situation where there's an office and not having that uh, level of familiarity uh, in the group it's like it was a big change up uh, for everyone and I think if you don't have those conversations everyone's going to resort to what has worked for them in the past and that's not always going to be true uh, in the context of uh, every dynamic, right? It's like what 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 you were in a specific team is not going to be optimized for a, for for a different team, right? I think for you specifically, I think that you are very very adaptable, and as I mentioned before, it's like you have very high social intelligence, which I think is crucial because you need to like notice signs and knowing how to like uh, communicate with people. I think this makes it. Uh, uh, a lot easier to navigate uh, such uh, dynamics. Uh, but I think this was like a very big pain point uh, for us in 2022 that we like one week before the split starts, we are scrimming and then we just jump into scrims and expect scrims to just reveal to us uh, uh, all of the things that uh, we needed to do. It was such, yeah. a, it was such a strange year. <laughs> no, for sure. And I mean, it's true to like to the G2 point, that like a reason why they were like a big reason of why they were so good is like for sure that they started a lot earlier and uh, we had this entire like process right and also they were all in I'm pretty sure they were all in Berlin at that time as well like mm -hmm. they were actually in-house doing it um, and yeah I mean also the fact that I mean it's gonna sound wrong because like if no one wants to lose scrims but mm -hmm. I think there are players that like like as I said uh, they fight harder to like they are they're less content with just losing scrims, you know. Yes, like yes. and I think G two has uh like for example Yankos and Caps from playing with them, like they are they are less happy just losing scrims, you know, mm. um than some other players. And that's I guess like a also a big reason of why like G two it and does well in scrims uh, so much, right? I think, for example, G G2 2019, we were like, no one was happy with losing scrims. We didn't lose scrims a lot either, but 
the games we did always were like we took a lot harder than I guess most other teams I've been on. Mm. Um, and like tried to figure out how to not repeat it, you know. Um, and I think yeah, just some players are better at doing that than others. And I don't think in in the Fnatic 22 team, I think maybe uh, opposite in a way was took like he didn't want to like lose scrims as he was not as happy losing scrims yeah. as others. <laughs> but uh, maybe the approach. He went about it wasn't always as good either, um, because of like the dynamic we had within the team. I think in G two it was a lot more like it was like a wholesome "don't want to lose" kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in Fnatic, we were just not there yet, like the as a team personality wise. I guess uh, it was more about like this is our job. Let's take it serious, you know. Um, yes, yes. Which it should be as well, of course. There's like just a balance, I think. Uh, that depends on what team you're in. No, I I, I think it's like uh, upsets competitiveness is also something that needs to be like aligned on, right? Because it's like he came in with the same idea that we had from the previous year. And then it was like Bipo and him were really like a driving force together with Hilly in terms of like really, really getting the most out of scrims and like the conversations were really, really engaged regardless of what the outcome was. And I think when, when you, I think when, when anyone feels like what they're doing is important and productive, I think anyone feels good. I, I think that's like essentially it. Right. And, um, I think that's like another, that was like the, the, the additional layer of, of, of the Fnatic 22, 2022 cake was it's like really having a slow start, humanoid having the past memories dawning on him and, you know, having a more nihilistic view and then upset wanting to win scrims. And then due to the circumstance, we're not winning scrims. And there's just a perfect storm of guys, we should probably take an extra break day and then we're going to uh, claw our way through, <laughs> through summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, like there are always teams like this, like, uh, we were a team like that in 2022. Matt has like seemingly always been a team like that. Unicorns of Love like used to be a team like that. Like where they, oh, <laughs> I mean, screaming against like there are just always teams where screaming against someone and they they give you worse practice than maybe some ERL teams would even do, you know. And then on stage they show up different and it just works out for them. Mm. But uh, I don't think any player, like as I said, would actually want to be like the day to day on a team like that just sucks a lot more than if you were just it was a lot more productive and you were not necessarily winning scrims, but yeah, just the productivity was just like a lot better uh, because there's like no way that any of these teams got like a lot of a lot more value out of those scrims than teams who were <laughs> maybe winning a bit more just taking it a bit more serious. Yep, yep. Oh, it's like the, the story of, of, of Matt that Humanoid pretty much shared. It's like, uh, for the longest time, for as long as I remember, Matt uh, was always the team that was running it down in scrims. Uh, but it seemed like they figured out ways to, to learn differently. It's like they just sat down and reviewed games of, of teams that they look up to and that they believe are playing like uh, similar in a way what they want to achieve. And then they just sat down, had conversations about it. I think...
there's there's many ways to improve as a team that can happen outside of scrims and in my mind if there was a circumstance similar to 2022 it's like we would scrim less but find different ways of just improving together i think that's uh essential and then using that to carry momentum over into into practice so it feels like there is uh, true intent behind it rather than uh, going into scrims knowing that you have a plethora of issues and hoping that you can like bang them out one by one by reviewing every single detail um yeah. I'm, I'm i'm curious when they for 2019 g2 it's like the, the stars fucking aligned right the stars aligned in terms of uh the form of of, of everyone individually um the work that you guys put in and the idea that you guys had before the team uh, was formed how how clear was that was it just about you guys just being homies and the whole uh, meet people at the pool and just I, I want to play with this guy i want to play with this guy i think this guy is really good or was it uh, more um, let's say articulate than that I mean, it's. I mean, it's been like a long time ago, so I, I don't think there's like any issue uh, of me saying like pretty much everything. But mm. as far as I mean, I might not have been involved in everything, but as far as I'm in, I'm concerned, it was already 2018. You know what we actually talked about uh, before, like when we lost to Misfits, we mm. had like a in in summer quarters, we had like a what four five week break until we were supposed to play Gondot. And already, like shortly after losing, uh, I remember me, me, Perks, and Jankos going to like uh, an ice cream place or something, and, <laughs> uh, and Perks was like floating a lot of ideas of like what we needed to change within the team, and mostly roster stuff, right? Yes, yes. And um, even back then, he was like, I think he was open for. I don't remember the exact options we had, but he was open for going AD as long as we could get like a really, really good mid lane, right? Okay. And if it was not for that, then it was like where I remember maybe it was something about getting maybe Sven back, uh, mm. or like some other good ADs at the time. Um, so there was like a lot of options. Uh, maybe there was some importing as well, but I don't actually quite remember. But it always started back then. And I guess, like, regardless of, because then we, of course, we made it to Worlds and, like, all of this, I think the plans were already kind of in motion that next year was, I mean, the next year was going to be different. Because regardless of, I mean, this was, like, the best result back then that G2 had gotten internationally. Mm. But at the same time, domestically, it was, uh, like, in our region, we kind of didn't perform as good. Like, we made finals once, but then we got knocked out in quarters. and yeah hopefully you can like get the best of both worlds right like winning yes, yes. eu and also winning worlds or getting forward worlds right like either or. um and yeah i mean caps like in 2018 was i mean i don't remember the exact games but at least like in the finals we played against him he played really good and he was like also in the playoffs they played in summer 2018 where we got knocked out he was like for sure, like the best performing mid laner. Mm. It was uh, the, the vein. <laughs> the vein. Yeah, that was the vein, vein stuff. But then there was also like, uh, I remember the, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't actually know exactly what he played, but he, he played really well. 
and uh, and yeah, I mean for I think actually there was like some kind of package deal with Caps and Mickey because because I think maybe Caps and Mickey wanted to play together even Ooh. at that time, and they wanted to go like they were like exploring different options. Um, and I of course knew Mickey, and I thought Mickey was really good, and mm. he had been he's was probably pretty undervalued. Uh, because of his year yeah, in at the time, thing, yeah. getting benched he was by like even, Yeah, he was even like benched and like Jesses stopped in for him. You know, this could not have been like a a good year for for Mickey, like in the eyes of the public. You know, yeah. uh, so I think well, and because we all wanted to play with them, and um, they were like decent options. Like I mean, Caps had like a really shit contract for Fnatic when he first signed. Mm. Uh, I was like on low pay. Yankos was, I think maybe I don't know. I don't know the exact numbers, but I assume that since Perks was like the long-standing G2 member, he was like uh, on a decent contract. But we were like we were not like the most expensive team to get, and we all wanted to play with each other. Um, and in the beginning, I mean, like uh, yeah, I mean the what is it called? The caps and Perks role swapping was like a little bit crazy, but. I think we like got the two best mid laners, and one of them just went AD, and uh, maybe it will work out. Yeah. Okay. Like you mentioned that uh, at the ice cream place, that Perks was yeah. floating the idea of go- going AD, and you mentioned that if he if he gets a really good mid laner, uh, was there anyone beyond Caps that was considered? Well, not within Europe. Okay. Uh and I don't remember exact names, but there possibly was some importing stuff that was also like in our minds. But within Europe, it was always like caps or nothing, basically. Okay. Um, at least, yeah. I see, I see. Okay. And um, in regards to, it's like, in, in terms of, I, I, I guess I guess Perks' method has been to just assemble the Avengers because he, 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 G2 wanted you for the longest time, right? It's like already after 2016, it's like even in the finals, <laughs> I guess, expect you're yeah. uh, 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 devouring him. Uh, yeah, I mean, like poaching stuff and all that, like aside, I mean, now it's like a lot of years ago, right? Like there's a lot of stories about this. I mean, yeah. I could give you like the entire poaching. <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone knows like the Sven and Mithy poaching that happened. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, like the culture basically in LEC where, with the old format and everything was that you had your two games on the weekend and then everyone went like to the same place, to the same bars, like this kind of yes, stuff. Yes. <laughs> and I just remember like in 2016 already, uh, after the splits, I had an offer for G- for, to join G2, which I ended up turning down, mm. uh, which in, in hindsight was like a little bit of a mistake. Um, but yeah, I mean, already then, like Trick, I remember Trick was like jumping up and down, screaming like G2 Wonder, G2 Wonder, <laughs> and like all this kind of stuff, you know, like, please join G2, please join G2. And then, like, uh, of course, like I was good friends with, uh, I mean, I was, I don't know if I would call it good friends, but I was talking with all of these people, right, from G2 as well. Mm. Um, because every, as I said, everyone was going like to the same places, doing the same things yes, uh, pretty yes. much every weekend. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and then, <laughs> I mean, I didn't join them. But then in 2018, uh, when I joined, and then in 2019, when Caps and Mika joined, all of these teams were like really, I think it was actually led by Young Buck. And then he got, because he was like good friends with uh, Dylan, like mm-hmm. the Blacklist stuff. 
yeah, they yeah. were like spearheading the blacklist stuff because they were really tired of, I guess, G2 poaching every player. Like they were, it started sick because of G2 of, winning. Okay. <laughs> sick of G2 winning, but sick of like, I guess what's, what made the, everything flow over was like us getting caps, right? Mm. And then we basically got blacklisted by every LEC team or they were trying to form a union where like, if you break out of this union, I mean, you were there as a coach, of course. So, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But if you if you break out of this union and you scrim G two, you're gonna you're be gonna be blacklisted too, basically. So this was just like us scrimming for the first three weeks, ERL teams basically, and just Turkish teams. I guess that was not. We scrimmed you guys. We scrimmed you guys. Yeah, I think uh, you guys were the first one to start scrimming, but it was not before LEC had started. I think. I think it was. Like before LEC started, we had like no LEC scrims, or maybe before the blacklist happened. But during the blacklist, I think it was um, only after LEC started that people started screaming us. Because it was, I it remember... was so absurd, you know. It's like when I spoke to Youngwa, I was like, uh, there was like one team that didn't agree, and they were screaming them anyway. I was like, so so what are the repercussions? What are we what are we doing here? It's like yeah, but we we think it's good. I'm like. Pfft. It's like, <laughs> okay, I just, and then we had like these barcode names. We just, yeah. you guys with barcode names. So, yeah, so you guys were went on like secret accounts because I mean, back then, I mean, you can still kind of see who's in the lobby. Uh, given like you, someone who gets like lobby leader, basically you can see who's kind of screaming each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys went on like barcode accounts so no yeah, one knew yeah. you were actually screaming us. <laughs> But I think it was not before we were like 6-0 in LEC, because I kind of remember that uh, thing that teams actively just started playing us, like mm. without without uh, hiding the fact that they were playing us, which only a few teams did. But yeah, basically we were like 6-0 or 8-0, I think, uh, before teams actually started screaming us. That's that's it. Think about uh, it been that we played you guys in week two. You remember that game when you played Camille Top against Javan? Yeah. And uh, I think Caps was playing Lissandra. And then like we, we were far ahead and we just threw the game, which was like the story of our life against you guys. It's uh -huh. like far ahead, dive, dive, dive you a couple of times and then lose the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember the, the, the Pike, you me as well. Oh shit, you playing Yorick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Jace can't re-enter top turret. I remember this all too well. Five people chasing Pike whole map. <laughs> yeah, that's fun actually. Oh shit, good I, I have some PTSD. God bless you, you gave us a win with your Garon on 5. There's someone had a sign in the crowd. <laughs> it's like Munder, <laughs> Big Garon or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, I don't even know. I guess it was because of the sign actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know like why that happened or yeah, what happened actually, but I guess maybe that's why. You, you guys were, were definitely like a vibe. Did, did everything just click or did you guys like talk at the seasons like, yo, we're going to fuck win everything and this is the plan or was everyone just that good and that aligned naturally from who you guys are as people? Uh, I mean, I think from 2018, we all kind of clicked like me, like the top side of, of, of us, I guess, back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, like we were all like, as really competitive and I mean we all wanted to win and uh, I guess like personality wise we were like getting along you know mm. uh, 
And I mean, I knew from bringing in Mickey that he would be able to fit in this. Mm. The only one I really I didn't know too well was Caps. Uh, but as I said, like Mickey wanted to play with Caps, and Caps wanted to play with Mickey. And I mean, Perks knows a lot more people uh, back then, and still still does than than I do, like per personality wise. Um, and he felt like Caps would be a good fit as well. And it turned out to be, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like all very wholesome, but still everyone like being really competitive and and wanting to win, right? Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, there's not anything special about that. I mean, a lot of teams have this. But we were just all really good at the game as well, I guess. I guess that's a bonus. Uh, and yeah, and knowledgeable about the game, I guess, as well. Comparatively, like, just creativity-wise and, and everything like this. And also about how we approach practice. Um, was just, like, a lot. I mean, we were, like, really free to do whatever we wanted. And I guess the meta also kind of suited us. And hmm. us being able to just, like, experiment with a lot of weird shit. And then I guess it it seems like so 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 the story is like like Perk started assembling the Avengers. He wanted you early on. Maybe there's a timeline where Wonder joins G2 2017, and maybe Zven and Mithy would have stayed, and maybe that would have been like the super roster earlier on 2018 already. Zven, Mithy, Wonder, Yankos, and 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 Perks. Maybe that's something that could have happened, and maybe the timeline would have played out uh, different. Because I imagine if that would be the roster 2018, then like the the timeline would have played out completely different but back then it's like joining tsm was still like a little bit more it was still a thing it, yeah. it was still a thing it was a bit more extravagant it's like you you saw the the, the roses oh i'm gonna stream and have 10k viewers bjergs yeah. is insane <laughs> so maybe they they still would have gone in that direction but it's interesting to to, to speculate how how things might have played out different maybe Caps would have stayed on Fnatic, and now the Fnatic fans, they are like, holy shit, I wish this happened, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I, like, my like the, my reasoning for, I mean, it was both, like, uh, like, usually, like, I've never in my in my career, like, really played for, like, I mean, of course, I want to get, like, paid well, mm. but I have never, like, it's never been, like, my main focus, and this is also why G2 actually stayed together for as long as we did. Because we we signed like a lot worse contracts than we could have, just on the basis of us like staying together. Yes, yes. But uh, I guess like the one like the reasons that I didn't go G two earlier was also the fact that well I got along well with my voice and spice, you know, yeah, yeah. and we had like a really good trajectory, I guess. Because mm. I mean we went from relegation to basically making worlds within within our first year. And G2 kind of collapsed at Worlds in a in a way easier group than we were in. Yes, and then yes. also my, I guess, like my pay for playing would be a lot worse than it would have been if I stayed on Spice. So like all these things factored together mm. made me want to give it like another shot, like another year in Spice. But of course, like in hindsight now, going to G2 with like the Sven and Mitty, who were like, I mean, Cobb and, and Mickey were for sure the second best bot lane. But throughout the years, when Amity did was like a like better performing mm. and more consistent, I guess. Um, so like going to that team would have for sure in hindsight been a lot better, probably. I don't know if, yeah, maybe like the super team would have never happened, <laughs> and all of this, and then 
that you can make that argument. But yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, like my main reasoning for not going earlier to G2, even though I had the chance to. I remember we, um, we actually had a conversation about it. And I remember that you asked me what, what I would do. And yeah, you told me to take it. Like I, I wanted to keep you because like you, you were by far the best top lane in Europe. I don't think there was a conversation about it. It's like, um, think, um, think so as if I remember correctly, I don't know if he had moved to NA. I think that he had a, there was like the origin year, like the downfall after losing Sven and Mithy, uh, him and like amazing and forgiven. Like they had like a really, really rough time. Trying to remember who else was was in the mix. I think that you were like undisputed. In 2016, I mean, honestly, in summer, because in spring, of course, it's a different story. But in summer, I felt like who even got like, I mean, I, all pro is like a meme and all. But I think like, honestly, Smitty J didn't even have like a bad split. I think he was pretty good. I was always like very confident against him, though. Like, mm. I always performed really well against him. But against other people he played against, I it's remember like he was like, as well. really well. Which Chachi was like one of the top ones for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's probably it. I mean, Odo was like decent, I think, but he was for sure a lot better in spring from what I remember than he was in summer. I mean, yeah, honestly, like I mean, you always have to think. Okay, right? It's like you. Yeah. <laughs> he refuses to pick Nar into you because he's afraid of the Aurelia that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you always have to think that you are like good, right? And have confidence in yourself. But, and it's going to sound like cocky and everything, but I think, I mean, I think every player should think that to some extent, but like, I generally like, I mean, I thought for sure I was the best in 2016 at the end of the year, but even in the years that I didn't get to worlds, like in 2017, I thought I was still like, I mean, I like don't you think guys you just magically... to five games, right? It's like, you almost yeah. fucking, I mean, nine that with Mickey, you guys played the Camille Morgana uh, shit. Yeah. And then and I, like, I hear a lot of people saying about like, for example, like a lot of people like to rewrite history, you know, like, uh, for example, 2020, people say that I was like so much worse than 2019 and maybe I was worse, you know, but I still remember like getting like 50 CS leads and matchups that were yeah, not yeah. even winning, you know, and shit like this. And I was just thinking to myself, like, did people even watch like the games and stuff like this, you know, like, uh, but yeah, I mean, for sure in, in 2016, I think it was, uh, I don't think top lane was that strong, though, <laughs> uh, because I don't think I should have been the best top laner in Europe, but it just turned out to be that way, I guess. I was like, I'm trying to think back. It's like Vitality was supposed to be stronger, right? Coming into summer and like Cabo was a strong performer. Like Odoamne yeah. like was on H2K and that was like a very bot centric team, like with, with how forgiven like to play, especially after like the lane swap thing uh, stopped. It's like we were yeah. we were very sweaty like lane swap abusers because we like we, we we couldn't really piece together how to like use jungle well together with anyone else but you because you're very good at uh, communicating with, uh, with 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 Trashy at the time. And I remember like Senkooks and Trashies, like whenever they tried to find timings together, it was problematic. And Mickey, yeah. Mickey and Koba at the time, they weren't uh, the most demanding players. Uh, they were yeah, yeah. rather going with the flow. We were lane swapping the shit out of out of everything. No, I, I, I think it's I think anyone who who it's like even 2020, it's like regionally, you guys were absolutely dominating. It's like 
I, I don't think there was there was like maybe maybe that one rogue series that was close but even that game five was like super one-sided where uh like Larson had so probably the like Shin one and of the best series. or something <laughs> it might like, have been yeah might i remember been. like uh, my i think it was a series where i was like playing shen like 70 cs against uh, atrox with 20 or something <laughs> it might have been yeah the 2020 yeah. i think it was 2020 yeah you played shen into atrox <laughs> <laughs> and you were yeah. 50 CS up? I feel like yeah. I, need to I remember go playing back like this game. <laughs> I remember I was playing like Kale into Orn as well, and I was like one or two CS up, and I lost the game. It was like shit like this, you know. But maybe that's just like my bias. I don't, I don't know too well. I mean, even like, even like for basically people are making it sound like I was washed, you know. But I guess they don't. I guess people just forget that I, I was at worlds last year you know and i feel like even though for sure comparatively to like the field or whatever mm. i'm not as dominant as i was in maybe like 2019 like i still like and the team was maybe the team i've been in was a little bit more dysfunctional like fanatic 2022 than the g2 2019 as well like everything adds up of course but like i'd still played like into Zeus and i didn't like get I didn't get fucked, you know. I was just. You were was... winning pretty hard, Aatrox into Jax, I remember. Yeah. And it's like we were in the split map, right? And it's like uh, they allowed us to get uh, Fnatic Exodia draft with, with the Papushka, but uh, <laughs> like. Yeah, but Aatrox that's what I mean. Jax, I mean, so the was... narrative ends, like, re it like, changes really fast, you know? Like, yes, yes. I can, I can play Aatrox into, like, four months ago, I play Aatrox into Jax against Zeus, or even like three months ago, and then. Three months after, I'm McGregor's OTP, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It's, it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, that's no. just how it is, I guess. No, no, for sure. I, 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 can, I, can, I can feel that. It's like 2021 is kind of a blur to me. I think, uh, it's like, I remember our best of five. It's a blur and... to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> 2021, it's like, I just remember like our best of five. But it's like, you're, you were playing against Adam, right? And it's like, even, even that... Uh, like that Darius Camille matchup, like it was fucking paper thin uh, that it could have gone the other way uh, uh, in that yeah. uh, all in, right? Like that was insanely close. Um, but in regards to like the block of 16 to 2020, I think that in Europe, you were pretty fucking undisputed. You know, it's like Wipo tried and Fnatic tried, but the way the series always played out in the end, it's like you. It's, it, yeah. it seemed as if Whippo, like at least when watching those series, it seemed like Whippo were, was playing in a way where he felt the need to compensate for something and you would just break him apart because yeah, of to it. To me, it always kind of felt like, um, I mean, yeah, that, again, like maybe it will sound cocky or something, but it always felt like when I watched, like for example, when I talked like, about the Smitty J thing in 2016, like mm -hmm. he was always performing really well against other people but mm -hmm. then when it when it came to when i played against him it was always a lot different and that's kind mm -hmm. of the same with Brippo. there was like there was for sure games where he played well like even against me like he was by no means like choking against and me every like single Jack's time you know? games that were good i remember yeah, yeah, yeah. like he, he it's i'm not saying that he was like inting every single game Zillion but top. he <laughs> but he was maybe in some games carrying harder against other teams than maybe i would have you know and mm. in that sense Maybe it looks like it was competitive, but I would say on average, when then I played against them, it was like another, it was a different story, you know? Like you have like the Zack and uh, the Orn mirror matchup. Uh, yeah, for example, I that guess that's the, the infamous one, yeah. 
I remember there was one game where somehow he was playing Akali into you and you're playing Kled and oh, he was yeah. getting slammed. I, it seemed like, like Fnatic, obviously it's like playing against you guys during that era. You come in with an awareness that you're worse. So sometimes either you're in a position where you're going to try too hard to achieve things that are not achievable and you try to squeeze where you shouldn't squeeze and um, it, it it plays out in like a very certain way because it, it felt at the time like unless you guys gave the way to a victory by your own admission you guys didn't seem beatable like we got the garden gift I remember that was like the regular split game that you guys played against Fnatic where like Caps was laning top and got like solo killed against Whip like level two because there was like yeah. something happening level one and then the game just exploded. It seemed like it was always, is G2 gonna <laughs> give us a win today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always how it kind of felt. Like, I mean, we knew that we could have like disgusting games and be a once, you know, but mm -hmm. we also knew at the same time and this was like, kind of a running thing to, throughout like pretty much like a lot of it is that mm. when it came to BU5s we were really confident that there was basically no way that a team would win three games against us a three out of five games you know and this was just like a this was just a mentality thing that we had that there's we basically felt like coming into it there's no way this team wins three games against us and that was like basically just our mentality throughout almost every series we ever played there was uh, one series, right? Uh, but it was the first time we had a double elimination bracket, right? Where you guys yeah, lost yeah. against uh, uh, Mad Lions. <laughs> yeah. Due to the fact that there's being a double elimination, uh, was that taken just in, in, in stride? Or was that like a uh, followed by a big meeting and restructuring of what you guys uh, are up to? When Caps is playing, Caps was playing AD, I believe, with the with the zigs and the, the yeah. The I mean, splits. I think it's I think it's always a wake up call, and it's like hard to say if if there was no elimination, if this would have been the outcome of the series. Mm. Um, but like what I know is that we already knew, even like we didn't it didn't have to take more than a than an hour after the series that we knew we were still going to play win the entire thing you know <laughs> even after losing like we had like a lot of confidence basically in each other and ourselves that this was like we didn't take it in stride like we were not happy about the result but we were also not knocked out by it you know like yeah, we were ready yeah. to keep face. going yeah, you, yeah. You, you guys knew what what you guys needed to do huh yeah i mean that's at least like that's from my personal experience of course there's I can't speak on behalf of like everyone on the yeah, team, yeah. but I think like uh, I think that's like all probably the the main takeaway from those series. Yeah. Uh, is it uh, fair to say that 2019? Do Do you feel like this is a year where you improved the most individually due to the nature of uh, the group? Because it seems from outside that. Um, like looking at that year, I think that that was like a fantastic year for everyone individually. Uh, obviously, it helps when a team functions well. Uh, but I think a key thing of uh, when a team functions well is that everyone is capable of sharing their knowledge and raising the knowledge ceiling of the team uh, to their own. 
if they are the ones that understand something better than others. Do you feel like that year you improved a lot, <laughs> let's say? Mm, I mean, I for sure, I mean, I think I improved more than the other top laners, but I already think in, I don't know if it's the year I improved the most. I think 28, like 2018 and 2019 are pretty close, honestly. I mean, even, I mean, of course, like coming in as a fresh player in LEC in 2016, yeah, yeah. of course, I'm going to make like a lot of improvement. Uh, of course, of course. Like in my first year in LEC, right? But like since then, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say I probably improved a bit more in 2019 than 2018, but I think it's honestly pretty close. Like uh, I was playing with the same top play, top side, ex except uh, caps, right? Where like caps and perks change positions probably between 2018 and 2019. But I think I learned a lot from like both of their ways of playing um, and kind of how to fit within it. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were both like number one and two, like you can flip them around, right? Depending on the month or like even what champ they were playing. Like they were pretty on the speed, I guess, like at least like first and second mid lane. Mm. And I think Yankos was, um, I mean, I think, in, I don't actually think me and Yankos had like the most insane like synergy or whatever you want to call it. Like yeah, we yeah. were not, we were not like, uh, we didn't like depend on each other as much. But then again, I've also heard like, for example, I heard like Bripo say like a long time ago that playing against me and Yankos was like the hardest thing because of our, duo mm. but i just think we just all played the game really well and there was like not like we just said what we had to say but usually it was also pretty easy to play because uh if someone was struggling for whatever reason you had like uh you could rely on like someone else to to step it up and like maybe even help you out or just carry the game or like find ways where you could be useful you know i think that's like probably the most important thing we had was like our creativity to always be useful useful depend like regardless of what situation we were in in the game so uh so it was always hard to play against us i feel like because of that it seems uh, to me i i felt like um like playing against you guys and 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 watching guys from outside it it, it seemed that previous years of, of of league i think were rather static where a lot of teams were um, very sharp at playing the same circumstances over and over again. It's like the the the, the meme of, of of Korean League of Legends and so forth. I, I felt like you guys were capable of seeing past that super well and just understanding the conditions of the game uh, and what you needed to do in the game better than anybody else. And I felt like the both of your best of fives against T1 was a testament to that because they were very rigid in the way they played. If they got to play the the same drafts over and over and they were put in circumstances that they recognized, I still believe that in those that context, that was a really, really fucking insane team. Uh, but in terms of how you guys seem to always play is that you thrived in whatever chaos was created because you guys seemed so fluid in how you kind of view the game. Like I could imagine that group of players with, with you in it, of course, that you guys could be dropped into a random game at 15 minutes, press tab and, and realize what you need to do, regardless of what champ uh, you guys were, were playing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, 
I mean, I think we, like, for sure, we understood the game really well. And I mean, a lot of people, how they describe playing against us was basically that we, like, we would play really good up until the point that when people would usually reset for tempo or stuff like that, we would, like, tend to, like, trap or stay, or, like, some people base, some people stay. And I think we were just really good at playing. We were, I think we were good at playing the game, but also good at playing our champions more creatively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things, like even today, uh, for example, I mean, when I played right now, when I played with Humanoid just now a week ago, he is like really, really, like he's a really insane laner, right? Like he mm-hmm. always gets the good leads, the control matchups, like, uh, and all of this. But I think the edge that caps us is that on the champs that allow you to be creative, he just finds like the angles that people don't usually find. And I think we were all kind of like that in G2. Like, we would play the game, but we would also play our champions within the game, right? Like, some games, Caps would sit in a bush uh, as a Kali for one minute. I mean, there was, like, a really in situation when they did it. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, sometimes we would, like, we would just do stuff that felt right within the game without feeling like we, of course, like, within the limits of not, like, losing a random tier 2 tower or some shit, you know, or losing Nash. Uh, but we would, like, for example, if if we were playing like Rise top or something, I would go and shadow cap some bot, or he would do the same if he was playing Rise, and we would like take the tower and Rise to Nash, something like this, you know? Like we were kind of like breaking the game within the limits of our champions a bit more mm-hmm. than a lot of other people, I think, where like everyone else just plays like conventional, regardless of what draft you have. And then it's kind of just better draft wins, you know, at that point. Yes, yes. Do, do you think that? Do you think that League has moved heavier in uh, that direction? Because in my mind, it's like you guys were outliers. Uh, I think that um, it seemed to me that teams took the time to actually study you guys coming into 2020. I think that a lot of that carried over. It's like, especially I noticed, like me screaming in Korea and being in Korea, I could, for me, screaming against Damwon, you know, sometimes you scream against a team and you just kind of sh- think to yourself, holy shit, this team might just win the world championship. And yeah. screaming against those guys back then, uh, it seemed like... I-, I always get the feeling that Asian teams always take uh, a lot of inspiration from teams that are dominant the previous year in regards to how they like to uh, approach things coming into the next year. Because I scream against Damwon, they're very loose, very free. It's like... They were picking uh, very, very unique things. Screaming against everybody else, it would be like everyone would just pick the same shit five games straight. If you let them have the same draft, five games, five game, same draft. We'll scream against T1. They would just like repeat, repeat, repeat. Dom would be like loose and free. Try random shit. Try stuff. See what sticks. Barrel is like picking Pantheon support. At the time, I was like, what the fuck is this? And then it's like Giga broken. And then it's like they were very, very uh, loose and, and, and free. Uh, in the way they uh, approach the game. And it seems to me that the uh, idea of what G2 was 2019 has become much harder and harder and harder to, uh, to, to ever replicate because it seems like everyone's advancing in that direction. Because I think an, an additional layer of what made you guys so good, I think that the way you guys assess information, um, 
which is like crucial nowadays. It's like the baseline. You know, we've had those conversations in 2020s. It's like, we can't call this. You just need to see it and then act on it. And it's like yeah. the way people like posture and soft contest and gain information and then judge like waves in terms of how you need to play and which wave to push, which wave not to push and where to punish, where not to punish. Uh, it seems like 2019 was like the, the ideal year to, to really have the G2 roster uh, become what it was. Because it's like, if it, if it played out later, the competition just got harder and harder, right? Or yeah, I mean, different? Of, I mean, of course, like, uh, it would be unrealistic to say that we could, we could just turn back time and everyone with the knowledge everyone has to play the same way and do the same, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I also think the game has developed, like, with patches and stuff to where it's like, it's like even harder to maybe do some of the things that we were doing. The um, wave thing came came after, right? It's like the whole fucking wave thing, waves being stuck and yeah, yeah, yeah. For example, and also just I mean, the like a lot of teams have gotten better at playing around objectives and making the game about like objectives more mm. than they're also way the other stuff, right? Souls and Drakes and yeah, Nash yeah. is broken. So, so there's obviously a lot of things. I mean, I think there's there are things within that that can still be exploited, depending on like champions you play and stuff like that. But way less so than than in 2019. And yeah, I mean, I think um, I do think though it is a skill that probably most people have had to learn is like being good at picking up new champions, right? Mm. Because I think for sure there's like a way. It's like actually a skill to be able to 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 know how to do that. I kind of view it like how I view it, and I don't know if people view it like that. It's like, for example, in top lane, like the it's a lot about like small concepts. Like there's big ones, but like how to pick up a champion. Uh, I usually like like to just think about how this champion just works in the game. Mm. Like the 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 what is it called? A classic one would be like the 2018 GP Shen, right? Yes, yes. Which is like Shen, there's like the big concept, which is Shen, uh, how a lot of teams like to play is, uh, if you're on the Shen side, play around the Shen and make sure he, uh, enemy top has to TP back, because then at six, you basically have a, a Shen ult and he doesn't have a TP. Mm. This was like a, a like a thing people were thinking about. Um but then there's also the part where, like, if you're looking into the matchups themselves and just think about it, like, this is why I think I can probably go back to 2018 and play this matchup perfectly, you know, on the GP end. Mm -hmm. Because Shen is like, uh, Shen was a champion that he didn't have, like, any wave push at all. Uh, he, he could only, like, trade and all in. And on GP, you could just spam your entire mana bar and stack three waves and base, you know, and you could always do that. You could just spam Q on the Shen, so there was, you were, like, Disincentivized, like you didn't, you like pushed him away and made sure he couldn't fight you when he got level two. And you could just basically just get a base every single game on three waves and get your sheen, you know? Mm. And this is like a way to think about the game that I think most people, at least back then, weren't thinking about it, you know? Like the small concepts of like what this champion sucks at, which is pushing out the wave, and what GP is good at is like trading early. And I mean, that's kind of how I thought about most matchups, right? Back then. Mm. And still sometimes do now, which I think, which is why I think it's like a, it's basically a skill to have as well that I think a lot of people have had to like train. It's just like being able to not first time matchups, but not be like completely clueless the first time they play them, you know?
Yes, yes. No, I think it's like what well, it seems to me what you what you're describing is it's like actually breaking it down to ideas rather than playing on what makes sense due to what you've done and what you've seen. It's like you're yeah, actually I mean, breaking it down to something that you yeah. can explain to someone. Yeah, it's basically like, I mean, you're basically playing the matchup. It's like playing chess in your head, you know? Yes, you're yes. basically just playing the matchup in your head. And sure, you might sometimes, like, sometimes you get it a little bit wrong, but the idea is still there, you know? Uh, and like the, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it becomes like common sense at some point, but I don't know if it's common sense to everyone, right? That's why I say it, like, for sure not everyone, because when you go back and look at how people played the matchups, like sometimes it was like even on LDC level it was like completely clueless you know yes, like yes. it was something that if you explained it to like a flat player he could play the first like four four minutes better than the LDC player right which is yeah I mean kind of weird no no for sure because it's like usually like conceptually matchups can be breaking down to a couple of sentences because usually it's like either you're stronger or you're weaker or you win the first wave, you convert it into yeah. the next step, and then it's like everything, everything kind of branches out. And then within yeah. that, of course, there's like nuances. Like, like if someone's playing like Jax versus Fiora, like I can explain that and saying, oh, uh, Jax wants to, uh, you know, keep his HP bar up and keep his, his stacks of passive up. He needs to keep hitting as Fiora tries to chip away at his HP bar. And it's like that's a very simplified version of it. But yeah, and, and then and basically, I mean, it even. It even comes like, uh, for example, the the series I played against like Adam here like recently, mm. like I was really prepared and the Renekton into Darius all of all this kind of matchups, but I didn't actually play like a single game of Renekton Jacks and I didn't like think about how exactly to play it and I got like completely punished the first mm. two levels right, and now of course like I mean after that I was prepared and we left we never like banned Jacks or anything we left it open because like I'm aware that. Um, you let him get the, the push the first like two three levels unless the Jax is like completely outskilled and like you are outplaying him. Yeah. yeah. And then like uh, after that, it gets really hard to play for Jax when the wave is parked outside your turret, you know. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even at six, like if Jax jumps on you, he needs to press E and you just E through him and you press Alt and you take the fight after his E expires. You know, like it's really it makes a lot of sense. Like if someone had told me this, or if I had like ask myself the question if i was prepared that this was a matchup i was going to play it would have made like so much made it so much easier to play but i think that's like a skill that not everyone has you know that you mm. can just visualize it uh like that at least and then just to to add for the, the people that are listening it's like the, the the nuance of like skill expression is is usually in terms of how well you tether to your opponent and recognizing like when he missteps, when he over pushes, when he doesn't yeah. push and you see these opportunities. I mean, there's this a lot of micro things, mis- right? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to, to, to say it out loud to, to make sure that yeah. uh, the homies at home when they see like an LSC player dying level two or some shit that uh, this is where everything kind of unfolds. It's like in the pursuit of perfection, there is room for mistake. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot of micro details to it. And there are matchups, there are matchups where it's like way harder to put it into words, how to play it mm. without saying like, basically play better, you know, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. there's just, there are just <laughs> some matchups that just requires you to play like a lot cleaner than maybe some players would, you know, maybe it could be the classic, like, uh, 
it's not always true, but there are like when people say Western players shouldn't play GA, something like this, you know, mm -hmm. they, it all, like there are some matchups where if you just have worse hands, you are just better off not playing it. <laughs> I, I had this, uh, I have a good example because like I'm, I'm in, I'm in the Polish team for the Druto tournament, which is kind of weird. Like, like what, what am I supposed to contribute as a coach? It's like they, they know the champs they play and I can make like some plans and look at some level ones and give them like some minor feedback between the games. Like, oh, you guys should make sure you keep track of TP, make sure you set up this ward. This guy plays way too forward, blah, blah, blah. Small, small notes, right? But we, we, we were screaming against uh, Nemesis and, and Jukil. And basically the format is, it's, um, it's fearless format, but no bans. But if right. a champion is picked once, it can't be picked again by both teams. It doesn't matter if it wins, wins or loses. So it's like, like a BO3 or something. Uh, so if we pick Yon, then Jukil can't pick Yon. But, but I said first game, oh, okay. okay, guys, Kubon plays Renekton. We're going to invite the Yon and we're going to see how it is. We're going to first pick Talia, play Renekton, and then like set up a draft uh, to invite the Yon because we know they're going to play a top every time they can pick it. Yeah. Then it's like, I know this matchup, right? It's like in my mind, in my mind, if I try to imagine this matchup, it's like Yon should be much stronger level one, should be much stronger level two. And ideally what happens is that I, you, you try to contest it in a way where I trade my HP and IQ on cooldown to thin out the wave so it doesn't crash two waves, so it doesn't bounce on, on, uh, on cannon as he tries to slow push into me. And then if I manage to achieve this and the cannon crashes, I get level three and I should be stronger on the push out, crash the wave, and I should be stronger for the rest of the game. But, yeah. but in that... As, as, as Kubo was trying to do this, he's just getting like giga spaced. He's getting hit by every Q. And it's like, in that moment, it's like, yeah, you just have to <laughs> dodge some of these Qs. <laughs> you just need to play a little bit better, you know? And yeah. yeah, there's definitely like, that's what it was like harder. And it's like, oh, he lost all of his HP bar. He crashed two. And then the cannon wave is bouncing. He has like 300 HP with Doran Shield, no potion. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> what is it to do here, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, the, the G2, let's say environment, right? It's like the players are one thing. You guys were insane. All of you guys are actually still pretty fucking insane. Um, the environment in terms of like the process of you, you guys like getting better and the process of exploring uh, what, what champions uh, to play and so forth. Do you think this is something that uh, can be recreated and achieved in terms of a team environment? I mean, we had a lot of freedom because of, I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, I think in the format that is also right now in LEC, like, you need to, <laughs> it's more often than not better to just go for, like, the safe bets mm. <laughs> all the time. I think because the season was so long, um, and basically a lot of it was meaningless in the old format. It, it gave us like opportunities to, well, also because within the, the limits of practice we could get in Europe, sometimes it was even more beneficial for us to experiment. And sometimes we did it too much as well, right? Like there's always a balance. Um, but I think it's like hard for teams to replicate without having like a lot of freedom in your, basically your career or like how the, <laughs> How the year is going to go regardless of you maybe wasting like a little bit of practice that could have been spent uh, elsewhere or like making sure you get into playoffs and stuff like this i think the format is just like very unforgiving in that sense mm. and also a lot of teams are not as dominant i guess so it's kind of hard to recreate but it's definitely something you can recreate if you have like more time i think 
Um, yeah, basically. I don't think there's much else uh, to that. I think it also, if you have players, it's kind of hard to know if you have the players that like benefit from, from doing it as well. I think we just had like, we were just all five very open-minded and actually enjoyed playing something different. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, if it came to solo queue or if it came to competitive, uh, but we would always, I mean, I say always, but sometimes, like for example, the Garen, I would have not played in advance, but we would always <laughs> basically have played like either this jam in solo queue or somewhere else before we pulled it off, right? Uh, or in my case, I guess more often than the others, I would have played it out in my mind, I guess. Yes, yes. I do the fucking, what is it called? Like the <laughs> Queen's Gambit, just like <laughs> sitting, lying there in my bed, fucking looking up at the roof. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah, something along those lines at least. Okay, okay. Now I felt I like thinking about it, I think it's like Mickey, you and Caps have always held on to that. I felt like Jankos and, and Perks were a little bit more conservative in what they... Yeah, I think Jankos played. was like our... He was our like stable player in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he kind of sacrificed sometimes for our creativity. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, like playing Brom and like uh, Funnel and stuff. But besides that, like playing... He played a lot of like Sejuani, a lot of like these champs that could just facilitate us. Um, and he was like a very good jungler at not necessarily taking, sometimes maybe he farmed too little, but he was good at like being aware of when to skip the camp, what camps were necessary to skip to like basically keep the game alive or end the game for the other team and, and stuff like this. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that was like one of his good qualities. Along with the fact that, yeah, I mean, he played a lot of the dog champs, right? Like the Sejuani's, <laughs> the that kind of that kind of stuff. I guess I mentioned that Parks was was uncreative, but during his AD careers, he was definitely yeah going yeah. going crazy. <laughs> I think probably <laughs> from in the pikes. I mean, it was a different meta back then as well, right? Like even even in 2018, like he. Like people were playing the Akalis and the Urgots and all this, even in mid lane, you know? Mm. Like, uh, I remember me and him in 2018, we were also lane swapping, um, like matchups. Like, I remember playing into, uh, what was it? Uh, Kuro, I think, on Cassad in mid when I was playing Camille or some shit like that, and like completely stomping him because we were lane swapping. So, I mean, we were definitely not, it was definitely not on creative yeah i mean it was pretty creative as well okay okay yeah i'm thinking back at like i guess i guess g2 in like the four splits that they won before 2018 and 2019 were more of the the stable kind of team that wanted to like just find yeah. repetition in something yeah i think so too yeah. and probably mm -hmm. even then probably perks was like the most creative out of those like I, like he was playing like echo and stuff i mean that was the meta right but this was like yeah, I guess back then their their other members were a lot more like stable, consistent. No, that's fair. That's no, uh, always always fun to follow. It's like even in uh, our most recent year, you always had uh, cool ideas on on how you wanted to approach things. It was the Shivana yeah. in the back pocket. 
but uh, I, yeah. I was limiting you, limiting you a lot. I was talking about the the, the recipe. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, within we win games, yeah, that's what I said, right? Like, if you're on a team that can afford to, uh, I mean, also like afford in standings wise, but also afford with like mentality wise, like if mm. if me picking or like me or a certain other player picking like a random champion when screams are already going really fucking horrible and then um even though it might not be the issue that we are losing scrims but then like the, the game or whatever that i pick a random champion but then people are still gonna start questioning like why are we even playing this when we can't even win with like the good stuff you know <laughs> like there's always like a lot of random factors uh yes, that yes. goes into playing like something new that people don't usually play it's definitely like you need to create your own luxury in the fact that like having the energy and the time and the effort to invest into something that's a luxury you can't randomly find when the season has started it's like that needs to be put in place ahead of time and then you need to buy that time through winning pretty much and we were always yeah. especially in summer we're like on the back foot and we also as we were on the back foot, we also were in that position where our scrims were not what we wanted them to be, and we had zero energy or or effort to invest. We we had to put anything extra in in like maintenance. It's like we had to hold yeah. on to what we had. <laughs> and I think also like some some teams, if it comes if it's like coaching or staff or players, like some teams just require like a lot more convincing than others, right? Mm. And I think in G two none of us required to be convinced you know we were just like yeah sure do it <laughs> like that was basically the thought process and that that i mean it makes sense to kind of like police it a little bit but i guess with our team just the luxury we had of like all being very good it was just not necessary right yeah. uh, but it in, there's a potential of it being like too much as well if yeah if the players are just not good enough but yeah, I mean, I guess that's pretty much what I said already. Before I unravel the whole, uh, your, your fanatic journey now in, in, in summer in the playoffs, I wanted to ask or, or, or give you a, a take that I have uh, and then get your opinion on it, because I think that you're the, you're the best person to bring this up to. So, so, so my take is that the, the gap between the West and the East ever since it started back in like season through season three essentially right i think that the gap has never been closed and as everything progresses due to the amount of resources and the amount of players and the, the mentality and the culture and all of these things that uh put um the chinese teams and the korean teams in a favorable position um I th the, the gap will continue to widen and even my, my, my take here is that even in the context of 2018 and 2019 that the gap was still wide in what the expected turnaround should be as the year unfolds because my take is that 2019 G2 was an outlier on so many levels in terms of where the meta was, how the roster aligned, and also factors that mattered globally. Because, for example, Korea was on the downturn and they were just waiting for 
the sandbox and the griffin and the dumb one to actually come out of challenger and like rise and become like actual strong players right and then there was uh, the turmoil of of the IG roster, right? That was the Promise roster and that came into that year. And then at the same time, you guys coming together as a roster. It's like a roster coming together. There's a lot of fucking moving pieces in terms of contracts, in terms of timings, in terms of agreements. It's like that G2 roster is such a fucking heavy outlier that I can't use it as an argument for the gap being closed for some reason, right? Because that result was heavily hinged on all of these factors that went in the direction of let's say europe at the time do you yeah. do you see what i'm i'm getting at yeah i mean i mean for sure like there's no question that right now the gap is like bigger than it was in 2019 between like but in 2019 the gap was also big just not between like uh i guess the west the g2 and the eastern teams but mm. between like like if you took a random like fourth if you took like a fourth place korean team or chinese team against the european fourth place team the gap would be like probably as big as it is today um maybe like a little not as big but almost as big and i think i mean for sure like as you said the two biggest things are probably like well for one the culture which is also in a weird way a thing that maybe have held them back as well because i mean as as we already touched on like in g2 we were like very free and creative which back then this sends some feeling without knowing too much about how it it functioned in in korea especially was that it was like very coach final word um for sure yeah and you kind of are you live within that frame you know uh so in a way it's it's like uh I think in a way that us being good in 2019 kind of also, I mean, I don't watch anime or something. I don't want to make it sound like a fucking anime as well, what happened, but Korea and basically and China, China as well have probably like leveled up from like seeing how we play. For sure. And I mean, this would have happened probably regardless, right? Just one team just had to be the one that like kind of broke out of the frame of how they felt like the game should be played and viewed which just happened to be, I guess, us in, in, in that year. But now they are, it's like even harder. Like now they have basically got that information, that knowledge, and you can't really replicate the same thing. You know, you need to do something else now if you're a team that wishes to beat, well, you need to be them or, and better, or you need to like do something special that they haven't seen before, which is like kind of hard to do in season 13 or whatever the fuck we are playing now. So I think for sure it's like, it looks a bit not doomed, uh, but with the money, culture, and the amount of players that they have in the region, it just—it's like a there needs to be a very special team put together to to beat that, you know. One hundred percent. I. It's also it's like uh, to do even even when you when there's already like great teams within the region to have to have other teams pursuing those players and those teams within that region is also such a strong like a factor because it's yeah, like definitely yeah that the years like 2018 2019 where where Fnatic was great and 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 then you guys were great too and also 2020 it's like i felt like just because you guys were in the mix 
that also just makes made the region a lot better in in, in general right because yeah. there's, there's a clear mission to beat a team that is insanely good and the improvement steps become so much more obvious when you're faced uh, uh, with that resistance yeah i mean as you said yeah of course like the practice is way better for them mm. but also since i guess winning worlds is like seen as an unrealistic goal for like a lot of players in in the western teams getting like a good roster together is also way harder right because then yes, people yes. will value like money and all this kind of stuff just a little bit more i'm not saying like that everyone values money more than what people they play with uh but i could imagine compared to comparatively to like the, some of the asian leagues where like a lot of people a lot more people i would probably bet that a lot more people than in the western leagues would give up their entire salary just in the chance that they would win worlds you know because the chance is actually more visible to them yes yes than for western players right and that makes like the that just gives like a different vibe as well to to some of these teams that are being made you know no 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 for sure uh, uh, agreed and it makes it makes perfect sense too that it is the way and i wouldn't fault anyone for choosing yeah. what, uh, what they prioritize right it's just yeah. um definitely like after 2019 like screaming in korea being in korea for split it was you you could see that the the pathway especially with damon was just different it's like playing against those guys i felt like it was different i think drx was also in that box t1 held on to a lot of the old and this was the time where they did like the crazy roster swaps but even like looking at um the approach to coaching like there's a lot more player coaches in in korea than it was before and a lot of the teams i get the impression are a, a more player driven and some of the coaches that were known as very very stern harsh coaches they are uh, not at the top anymore like i think uh, the, the name that comes to mind is like coach kim it's like when i asked gorilla about coach kim so he was he was on ig and he was on longzu and he was on samsung like he had a fucking he has a fucking uh, reputation but when i asked gorilla about him basically his nickname was genghis khan like this guy was <laughs> <laughs> Genghis Khan. Imagine having that nickname in the context of coaching players. Like he was... Holy fuck. Instant respect when <laughs> Gen Genghis Khan walks into the room. 100%. Like... And then there was like the whole drama with the T1. And I think that, uh, you know, he didn't want to. I, I don't know the whole story about that, but I can like imagine <laughs> how it played yeah. out. And it's like now T1 is like they had the, the Bengi coach and they just went in the player direction. And you could see that. Um, evolution so to speak is also like uh playing out because it's like now as well the coach of genji is scout right uh, not scout sorry score and uh there was definitely like i think uh the 2019 uh year was a catalyst uh for, for, for all of that yeah i mean for like my view on like the coaching i mean i think some players do need like a, a genghis khan and some players do need like a more like laid back approach of course For it sure, just yeah. like really depends and also depends on the situation i think like i mean i'm not gonna i'm of course like um like i'm gonna word it correctly so uh, because i actually really do like respect grabs and everything you know but i think if you have five really really good players they actually don't need anything like like uh, truthfully the only thing they need is someone to 
facilitate discussion hmm. and like make sure that whatever information is being like conveyed so everyone like understands it and everyone like i mean that's like a meme word right but it's on the same page you know yes yes and everyone like uh like you can have and makes like sure that it's presented in a way where yeah basically just it's it's like it saves a lot of time i think the worst thing you can have when you have like five really good players is uh, like a coach that tries to like limit the players and also takes up a lot of time and like puts a lot of unnecessary stress on the players that yeah i mean well as i said it's unnecessary um but like there are also teams where you have for example two really good players who maybe are not as reliant on like a coach and i think coach can always be helpful almost no matter how good you are right but it's just a different way of helping but then you can have a team with two really good players and you can have a team that maybe has a really bad like mid jungle and there a coach can be more useful or like dedicate more of his time right this is just like i mean you know this well like when you're coaching teams that some weeks you aren't spend you're, you don't even what look at jungle for example if jungle is like really smurfing you look at how maybe the bot lane is playing or yes, like yes. try and figure out how to like fix the issues um but yeah i think that's like my main take on it is that yeah i think the game has gotten to a point that if you are like a good player you are i mean you don't have to know everything within the game but you know like you need to know without someone telling you what like the big like the big points of the game is and how to play it where i think like back in season six season seven you could get away with like not knowing like a lot about the game at all right and yes, just yes. being good at the game but now it's like you need to have both and i think a coach can help with that but you can't be you can't ever be dependent on a coach i think right now to to like teach you the game because then you would never you would never make it in the first place no i i i agree with you uh, completely it's like there, there's a there's a big difference between like like an an elite player where you are confident that they will figure out what needs to be figured out because it's like most of the time for example when when we work together in the most recent year it's like I my purpose there is to provide maintenance and to make any step that you need to go through easier. It's yeah. not about me teaching you something. That's not going to be the case. It's like in a lot of cases, it's like, oh, Wunder, tell me about the ma this matchup that you found. Can you tell me what's up or what do you need? And then it's like, you educating me on something because it's like a strong player is always going to be like right at the front of the line, exploring what's coming next. And yeah. to, and as you mentioned as well, like, um, it's like in some cases, oh, there's a fire here that you need to solve. Then you just kind of engulf yourself in that. And then you can, you, you, you should be capable of applying yourself to something and understanding it inside out. Like if you, for example, yeah. told me, uh, Yamaro, tell me about this matchup. I'd say, oh, maybe I don't know now, but I can think about it for maybe 30 minutes. Maybe look up some, some solo queue votes, look at what people are playing. And then I will have a very, very strong opinion. It's like if there's a piece of information that is needed, you need to have the capacity to process that information, which is like crucial. And 
at the, the higher end of players, I think, as you mentioned, it comes down to making the life of the players as easy as, as, as humanly possible. And that can be like in very, very um, different forms if you have a player that is like capable of, of performing. And easier can sometimes mean also making it harder if it is a person that needs that in order to like perform. Uh, some people need yeah. a hard hand, some people need a soft hand, but when you have players that are really, really good at the game, like maintenance, making sure that nothing ever slips in terms of, like, let's say you're performing super, super well, and then I notice that you begin to play less and maybe you are, uh, uh, like, let's say a, a player is like more tired coming into the office and I notice like things are slipping. It's like, that's where, uh, you know, things can, can, can come in and making sure that the structure that you've created for yourself is maintained rather than enforcing some kind of structure onto you. Uh, it's like, this is how you perform and you're aware of it and supporting in that is, um, it's like usually what it comes down to and what that structure is, it's like, uh, that's what, what is very, very individual. I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay. No, it's like on, on my end, uh, as you mentioned yourself, it's like, uh, in order for a region that is inferior by every metric, you need to create and find a very, very extreme outlier in order to win. And there's many, many ways of things becoming freak outlier cases. It's like last year at Worlds, um, even us, we, we were going through fucking freak cases. It's like we had players that had COVID and then we play with rocks. It's like, that's a freak case. And like DRX yeah. one, and that's a fucking complete freak case in terms of how everything played out. It's like EDG with two zero up, and then they like collapse within that best of five. Like a lot of things need to go so so right, and there's examples of that in in like real life too. In in other contexts, it's like like Dagestan. They pro produce the best wrestlers ever, but that's a country they have no fucking money, and they just have a way of training and a way of life that. Uh, that supersedes and, and, and conquers all in terms of, of wrestling. When there's like countries in the world that spend millions and billions and they have so many uh, athletes and they are, have programs and everything set up, but they're just doing worse because they figured out something. Or there's an example of, I believe there's a university in Japan that produces on average the most Nobel Prize winning uh, uh, like uh, students. And there has to be it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they have the most money. Maybe they do now. Uh, it doesn't mean that they have the most students or the most resources. Just it's in the way that they have conducted themselves, making them into uh, an actual outlier. And I think that's what's required. It's like whether it's in-game or situations playing out a very certain way. And not to take anything away from, from you guys winning MSI. It's like, you guys really, really insane. The best of five against SKT is like one of my favorite best of fives ever. But then you walk into the finals and you play a team liquid, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like uh, IG, what the fuck happened to IG that, that, that year, you know, it's, 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 it's a mystery. Uh, like, I don't know who insulted yeah, someone's sure. mother, you know, but I mean, I mean, yeah, the best thing you can do, uh, is just make sure that you are there when the variants hit, you know, because yes, I yes. mean, in, in 2019 as well, like the world finals, in theory, you can make the argument that, uh, like th there only needed to be not an FPX there and we would have won, you know, yeah, and yeah. 
I mean, in 2018, FPX was not even a team, you know, like yes, uh, yes. they were not, they were not actually relevant. So, I mean, they were a team probably, I don't actually know, but they were not relevant at least in internationally. Hmm. So like you could make the argument that just like a few things has to go right for us to have actually won a world, you know? Yes, yes. And this is always going to be the case as long as you are there to grab the opportunity when it, when it happens. And I think that's like the best thing, you, but that's the thing you should probably strive for. Yeah. I don't 100%. think you can you can make a team that will for sure make it because everyone is going to try to make it and you're going to play against a lot more eastern teams that are actually built to win worlds than you are going to play against western teams that are built to win worlds that's just the reality of it yes yes and it's like there's, there's a saying right that luck is where opportunity and preparation meets yeah yes. for sure yeah. and to just underline this, it's like the, the initial point I wanted to, to, to bring out is just all of the odds are stacked against us in terms of Korea and, the, uh, and, and China creating those teams that are going to be the outliers that win. But even, those, even though those odds are stacked against us, there are some odds there and it just needs to be approached in a very creative way and the stars need to, do, need to align. And... Uh, Sometimes you have teams yeah. like JDG, but there's a chance that maybe something falls apart, you know? It's like it's yeah. sometimes someone it's, breaks a hand or... <laughs> it's not unheard of that a team completely chokes it and it becomes a lot worse. There's different patches. There's like a lot of things that can go wrong, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's the beauty of the game. And that's a perfect segue to Fnatic calling up Wunder. <laughs> <laughs> now that's beauty a free case. <laughs> true, yeah. Oh that shit! How how? What were you doing at the time? It was just it was this was the Baldur's Gate time. No, what, what was going on during this time? Oh, Hardcore was just released. I think. Okay. Like, uh, I mean, like two days after Hardcore was released. Uh, I think that shit sucks. No, so it's like you 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 saved yourself from that. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I played a little bit, but um, no, I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, like. I guess like three weeks prior to that, I was playing like a decent bit of solo queue. I looked at the patch notes as well, and I saw like, oh shit, Akali is getting buff. Like it's okay. actually, it's actually laneable now in solo queue. You know, so I was like, oh, I'll play some Akali. I also have a bit of shaves every now and then, and he likes to like pitch his ideas as yes, well. Yes. And he, he sometimes he uh, keeps me updated on like not what's going on in the team, but kind of like how they're doing or if they're struggling with something. I'm like okay, yeah. I mean that's that sounds cool. And then I think Shades was the first one to approach me about like how, um, well basically how their situation was mm -hmm. and what happened to, uh, what happened with Oscar's hand and stuff like that, right? And initially, I don't know if it was like language barrier or they actually wanted me to play the Excel series uh, or the potential Excel series. But this was like he wrote me two days before the Excel series. And Javi, uh, the general manager from Fnatic, wrote me a day before the Excel series. Okay. Uh, but for initially, I actually thought Shaves wanted me to play that Excel series, and then I uh, and I actually said no because I was like, with the well amount of practice that I haven't had <laughs> uh, and preparation, I don't feel comfortable just risking not like. I mean, it's not like risking my career as much, but in in theory, it is like risking my career if I get absolutely shit stomped. No, of course. Um, I'm, I was not comfortable doing that with like a time frame of one day, 
and probably it's actually no practice if it's like a day before mm. um and then later i found out that it was against bds that they wanted me to play and i was still i mean of course like i'm still really hesitant because um well playing like just i mean i had three days of practice and i'm subbing in for a team i don't i'm not exactly sure what to expect uh, but i just decided to go for it anyways and i don't know like like a part of me was like hoping that fanatic just loses to excel and a part okay. of me was hoping that they were going to win and that i was going to play because i was really on the fence you know yeah, yeah and even like the first day when i arrived and just played some solo queue and like i got the vibes of the team i was really unsure if i made the right choice you know like it was even like it was like kind of a battle in my head you know like did i actually was it actually correct to do this i see um but yeah i mean everyone was like like i was afraid of maybe like the team being feeling like that it's just lost and there was no reason for me to have come here in the first place because i really wanted to like I was working really, really fucking hard to like make sure that I was gonna be up to speed yes, on everything. Yes. So I just wanted to like I just hope that it would be replicated by other people as well, right? <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean preparing against like I mean I don't know if you have another question to that, but like I mean preparing against Adam, I guess is what I would talk about. No, you can. I, I, we will unfold this in whatever way it, it it comes to mind so okay. preparing against adam yeah i mean i always felt like i mean of course there's like a lot of like people are like the narratives and the history right of uh, like playing for a world spot all this kind of stuff right mm -hmm. against adam uh but i always felt like preparing like if there was one series i should go into i mean i think against excel would have been fine too with like a week of preparation because i feel like Odo. He's like really good on his champs, of course, but he's always been a very, he's always been a lot more limited champ pool wise than, than some other players, right? Yeah. So I would kind of know what to expect going into play with him. And the same kind of would be like the same I kind of felt against Adam, where of course, I mean, if I shit the bet, right, he will take advantage of that because he is like, he is like a player that he can exploit um he's a squeezer when you yeah he can squeeze the matchups because he's played them so much and if you haven't had similar experience or just like experience in what to do against it right but at the same time i felt like it was kind of easy to prepare against him because i mean i knew that they would never gonna end up banning Renekton. so if i just left everything open and i either played into his Renekton or played Renekton myself the only thing i actually had to prepare Besides, like the one curveball jacks that he actually had played one game before, but I didn't expect to pick with all his champions that he likes to play into Renekton open, right? But mm. the only champs I had to prepare for was Renekton into Darius, Renekton into Olaf, just Renekton matchups, basically, right? Um, and I felt pretty confident, and I also got like, I did 1v1s against Broken Blade first week. Uh, we talked a lot about the matchups and I've saw a lot of watched a lot of odds and everything. Oh BB must have been perfect for that. He plays all of that shit, right? He played yeah, a lot I mean, Olaf. Yeah, I mean the joke was that like when uh 
when we then like when I went to the lobby with him, he said, "Do you want me to play this like Adam, like the lethal temple darius and everything?" Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, sure, that would be ideal." <laughs> and honestly, every single game that matchup, <laughs> Broken Blade was just like he was completely fucked level three because he was like going completely crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and that uh, honestly it gave me a lot of confidence. I mean, I know that he was like he was trying to like push it, really, like he was trying to squeeze yeah, it, yeah. you know, right? So I'm not saying that program related shit or anything like that, but <laughs> uh, but it gave me a lot of confidence that I know that if he goes like completely apeshit crazy, that I would be completely fine in these matchups, you know. Mm. And uh, and at the same time, I mean, if he didn't, then I would also know how to play these later on, you know. Like if I would not be clueless to this as well. So I, I was kind of confident going into to a matchup against him. And the only thing was like, yeah, I mean, how it would work playing with the team and everything, uh, which ended up being fine as well. I mean, we were for sure a lot worse week one than we were going into the finals week, I think. Was the was the team, because uh, we had the conversation of uh, the, the the winter uh, and then to spring, was the team that it is now, was 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 your experience something that... Uh, like if 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 this was the experience that was offered to you in in spring was would that be something that you'd pounce on? Did you have enough of a feeler on it uh, that you could say that? Yeah, I mean, I think the team uh, for sure is a lot better. I mean, um, I mean, of course, it will always be shade, right? But like, there's no secret that the bot lane is like a lot better performing than it was in winter and even in in spring as well. And I think alongside, alongside that, I feel like like Ivan Rasork has is actually, I mean, performing like like out of his mind, right? And uh, Humanoid has like some really good like in this meta, really good uh, chambers that he plays. Like he's not actually limited in draft. He in the past he would not like like to pick up like the. Hard to I didn't see him. I didn't <laughs> see him picking up champions like Tristana, maybe some Jays, but like all these champions that he plays now, it doesn't. He's actually like it works in the draft, you know. I don't know if it's just a meta or just the f- faith he has in the team, maybe more so that he is like more free to play these kind of champs. And I think the team just works like all together way better than it did in winter. I mean, no surprise they made finals, right? Mm. Um. So yeah, for sure. I mean, the team is way more functional. There's still like some issues, of course. I think when it comes to like, they have they have more camaraderie than in winter as well, and maybe even twenty twenty two. But compared, if I have to compare it to like G two, it still feels a little bit forced. Mm. But I think that's just like what we had in 2019 G2 or like 2020, even 2018 to some extent, because we got along well with Jan and Anvati at the time was just a little bit more special. Mm. Um, whereas now, I mean, people actually stay in the office in Fnatic and they like to do stuff and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it also feels like it gives me a little bit a vibe of it being a little bit forced at the same time. But I think that's just, yeah, that's just normal maybe. Maybe that's just me coming in like one week and just looking at things from the outside. Um, but yeah. So you got called up. Javi said, yo, you're going to play against BDS. Exactly. You had one week or you say three days with travel. I, uh, well, I said yes, basically 
I mean, I signed the contract with a clause that basically said if we are to win the the series against Excel, this contract comes into effect. I signed that on the day that they played. Okay. And it was sent to me the day before because that's when we talked about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to play a little bit, but then I'm going to like watch the series and if they win i'm just gonna spam the fucking game you know (laughs) (laughs) and that's the that's basically when my practice started and then i had travel day on their off day which is like the day after they play Mm. so i basically just traveled the day after i signed the contract and then we had an we actually had a free day then the day after that just to like play solo queue and all that stuff i think (laughs) i mean i could say it now i guess i think the only option we had was to scrim g2 and I think there was made a, like a, a decision that from mental-wise, like also because they didn't know what to expect with me, probably, or I don't know. I mean, they also had really bad results against G2, I think, just usually with their main roster, mm. that they just decided to have a solo queue day instead, uh, which was fine with me. I basically told them, I, I don't mind sense, playing. Yeah. I don't mind playing. I don't mind doing anything. Just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it, you know? Mm. Like, I don't want to come in here and like make demands of, <laughs> no, I don't want to play G2 or say, oh, I really want to play G2. I just make the decision as a team and I'll just follow. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically the practice I had. And then I had three days, I think, after that until we played BDS. That's crazy. This yeah. th- this contract that you signed, you don't have to say exactly, but was it was it uh, more on the basis as this is really good for the both of us? Was it... Uh, lucrative what, what was the, the the basis of of it if you no, can honestly honestly when i talked to them about helping them out i didn't even mention uh getting paid mm. like uh i didn't talk when i said yes i can do this i didn't talk about like how like how i would get compensated or anything like that so i was not doing it for the money and sure they were really like desperate it seemed like when they talked to me so if I wanted to, I could have like probably squeezed them for more for, for like something, but I felt like it was not like it was not the time to like squeeze, you know. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. they were in a unfortunate situation, and if anything, it will just look bad on me if I try to like make them pay me like insane amounts or something. But that then, makes sense. but I, I mean, I got the contract, and they were basically matching whatever I got before, just for like. Uh, per, for like a per series per series oh, okay. basis, right? So I think it probably adds up to I get like a month paid salary if we play all three series, which we ended up doing uh, of what I had before. Uh, and I, I mean, I was not in it for that, but I guess uh, that's nice as well. Neat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's been interesting to uh, and really fun uh, to see uh, Ivan's uh, growth uh, over the year. It's, it's, it's weird because always I, I was... Like when I when I talked to him, uh, especially this weekend, I, I I told him Ivan that you going through the shit of winter and spring was was the best thing that could have happened to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he is like very much more emotional than I am for sure, yeah. and he has like things in his like he lets a lot of things affect him that I wouldn't do, but he. But that also makes him kind of the player he is at the same time. So, I mean, I can respect it. I also, I mean, I joked a lot about it with him that 
where was this Ivan? You know, when when I played with him, yeah, like, yeah. did he hate me or what? Like, why this is, is it not this insane when I played with him? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think he has, I mean, for one, found like, well, he has has like lanes that he can more or less rely on. Compared, like he felt like a lot. He felt pretty stuck probably in winter, like having to cover for a lot of things, or he felt like he had to overcompensate uh, in a lot of situations. Probably is how I feel. Um, that he that he might not have to do anymore. And yeah, I mean he's gotten good at like some niche champions as well. And uh, I mean overall, I mean he has been performing. I would say like the best jungler, yeah, of course, agreed. like. Um, of course, Yike had, I guess, a pretty good series against us, the, the final. Uh, but I think, I don't think that's enough to like make me say definitively that he is a better player. I think Ivan has been playing really good. Uh, besides that, I guess, series. No, I, I, I agree. I, I even even before the the whole thing, I think in summer I just put like my all pro was pretty much full G two, but with 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 Razork there. I, yeah. think that, um, I guess that was like the general consensus, right? It was like people put some Yank, people put Yankos. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like the whole entirety of G2 has been like a number one, but then some people have like put Yankos. Some people have just put Yike. I guess like some fanatic fans have put Razork. I mean, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> no, I, I, I put Razork up there and like Yike got voted in and full respect to Yike, but I, I thought Razork was, was, was the better one. I think it was... It was good for him to, um, to to see what he missed in a way, and I think there was an added layer of gratefulness when it was back again. You know, to have a bot lane that is uh, a lot more functional, and it seemed yeah. like he was a lot more aware of that after suffering for 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 two splits. And it seems yeah. like he wanted to give a lot more of himself into that. And he seems just a tad bit more uh, mature about things. I, I, I will never forget that that first month of working with Razok. And he say, Yamato, today is going to be a grief day. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you saying, Razork? <laughs> You're gonna, you say it's a grief day. You're going to make, make 20 people that are working in this scrim set. You're gonna make us all have a grief day because of your state of mind right now. <laughs> I remember, and now he yeah. has grown so much. Evanchuk <laughs> is cool. Humanoid yeah. business as usual. Humanoids. I think. Um, I mean, for sure. Like as I said, I think I would say he is like. I mean, it's always like that when you talk about players. I mean, when you say who is the best X, like who is the best mid laner, whatever, right? You don't you you don't mean that this guy no matter what he plays, like what champion he plays, he's the best mid laner. It's just like all you know on average yeah, yeah. and like the eye test and everything. I would say it's probably been that for a long time, but I'd say I mean Humanite has been probably the most consistently good guy, like good player on like the Alsir matchups and like this kind of stuff. I think where Caps has the edge. It's still like the creativity when he plays champs like LeBlanc, Ari, champs like Nico. this, you know? Nico, even, yeah. I think he, like, laning wise, Humanoid is probably a little bit better. Maybe not on like the LeBlanc or something. I don't actually know. 
but on the on the control mages, but I think Cav's ability to like not play as conventional and like play to his champion strength a bit more when he's playing really creative champions, he does better than than Marek for sure. And then I guess like depending on what team you're on, like a player will be better because of that, right? Yes, yes. I always uh, made the comparison, and sometimes people laugh at me, but I always, I always saw humanoid as just uh, the European Chovy. Like, yeah, now Chovy yeah. is evolving a lot, and he's like spreading his mid lane wings. It feels like most elite tier mid laners go through that process of first being like very dominant laners, very good at like dragging attention to themselves and like exuding pressure, and then there's this evolution where uh, you realize where you can win so much more um, through other avenues than just yourself. It's like, yeah, I, think... I mean for sure. Like if Caps in the like in the past was way more of a laner, which yes, is yes. I mean he still does. But even in the past as well, he was like the guy who would play like Katarina and Aurelian Soul and all these champions, you know. Mm. So it's always been like a part of him. But he was just like. I mean, not so far ahead because Perks was still there, but comparatively to like a lot of mid laners, he was like able to do both better, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> but now I think there are more mid laners that are able to contest that. And I think, for example, Humanoid, yeah, I mean, he can contest the laning phase aspect of it, right? He's uh, like really good at it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, of course, I'm not saying Caps is like shit at laning, but he, I think. Humanoid is probably one of the people that on certain champions will do it better. For sure. Like, I, I, I think, as you mentioned, like the, the meta aligned very well for him, considering I think yeah. it's like the mid lane champs is it's the goal is to, to generate the gold. And the challenge in that is like how you play around jungle and how you play side and so forth. And I think that Humanoid has always been very, very good at this. And you mentioned Azir, Jace, Justana. It's like, you you get the gold uh, and you you will be able to be so so impactful. And if it was yeah. a world where it was like Nico heavy, Ari heavy, Annie heavy, I think this is where you need to be have a very very strong eye for what what sacrifices you need to make and uh, in order to like break the game. But I think a lot of mid laners uh, struggle with that. It's just the question of humanoid being elite in some aspects and in some aspects just lagging behind uh, caps like in that conversation yeah i agree with that yeah i think it's it's cool it's like i wonder when humanoids if it ever happens if he's going to go through that similar uh, transformation because i think humanoid has the capacity to maybe 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 in the context of uh, like uh, uh like a year which he has, right? 2021, uh, winning a back-to-back -back with Matt, and this was a rough year for G2, <laughs> you know all about it. Uh, yeah. He has definitely done that, right? But in a world where like achieving, like, achieving that gameplay where that creativity is shown, maybe not uh, necessarily tied to Caps, but where that creativity is shown and he, he, he makes a breakthrough on, on that department, then he could be really, really complete uh, as a player. And Watching Chovy now, like it's it's a weird example because I've had this example with humanoids for like two years now, but now it feels like Chovy is is going through that evolution in terms of like recognizing how he can break the game through other avenues than being like thirty years ahead. Where yeah, I mean it's like you go through the 
I think there's like always a middle ground, right? Like sometimes caps roams and it's completely grief, right? Yes, yes. Sometimes having 10 CS more in the mid lane matchup could have been spent better elsewhere, you know? Yes, <laughs> it's, yes. Uh, there's the, the balance that is just, I guess, like as you mentioned, Joey is probably like a thing he's going through, you know? Like just, yes, it's yes. just like the most optimal way to play to win the game. 100%. And sometimes that can be like uh like a more farm centric bit than just carrying late which is like i think the style that Marek has historically preferred just like mm. be strong in the game in your own lane and then go into fights and i mean sometimes he he, he ends them but sometimes he plays them well like uh i mean there's always optimization but i think that's like the style he has preferred for the longest yes yes uh, it's 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 fun to 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 see that like Faker went through that evolution, like Showmaker definitely went through that evolution after the O series, right? Where Caps is just yeah. like pushing every wave and like diving the Guri on cooldown, where you play like Rise into Irelia and this Irelia can't breathe at all because yeah. you're a psychopath to be in that matchup in the first place. But <laughs> there there was of course uh, the added la layer of safety and that trust that you have for, for your teammates, of course, and. That also yeah. definitely like reshaped how Showmaker approached the game and, and Canyon and Showmaker. Like Showmaker became the player that was always, always on time and on point in terms of how he connects with, with uh, his jungler. And that made them uh, very, very great. I feel like it's always that uh, transformation, but you need to first show the individual capacity to lane at that level before it expands to, to anything else. And Caps' breakthrough was like that game against Perks where he plays Rise against the Syndra and like completely like shits on him uh, respectfully. Uh, like shits on him, yeah. not in the sense that, oh, he just stomped it. No, it's like it was like really, there was finesse, finesse to it. Um, I remember watching, I did an interview and I said, I said, Caps is at the time, I think, I think it was, I think it was 2017 was, was his first year, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and I remember I did an interview, I was like, Caps is, is the best like laning mid laner in Europe. And I got so fucking buried and flamed for it. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was easy to see from outside, uh, I think, that there was something special there. So Yeah, there was a lot of hype around him, for sure. I, I wanted to, I, like for me, it was pretty funny because it's like, I remember we had conversations like on stream, you said jokingly, it's like, I remember this comment you say, if I played with Trimby, I would get an insta headache. Oh. <laughs> How has your experience been uh, with Trimby and, and the bot lane? How is it to, to be in game with uh, such a passionate man? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I was, it was like watching like a mic check. Yeah, of, like, yeah. Uh, uh, trim be like completely screaming and honestly it was not actually like uh, i don't know if he has changed or anything but it was not actually like an issue for me okay <laughs> uh, how he was like communicating in fights or anything i don't know i think that was like the that was the reason why i said it right but yeah, i think uh, i mean the, the bot lane it seems like i mean of course it's there's like issues there's good things and bad things about everything and especially when you have to work together like in a, in the same lane but um i think generally they have figured out a way to play way better at least like support jungle than in winter when i was there with mm -hmm. rocks and rasok but also just like um 
I think Trimby, he, I mean, he understands the game and he also takes, um, takes it on himself. You know, like if if he does something that is bad, he doesn't want to like argue the point. He's he's like acknowledging that he could have done something different or done something better, and he just moves on and like tries to learn from it. Is the feeling that I get right? Okay. He's he doesn't like. He's really fast to just take it on the chin and move on, you know? Okay. Uh, and it's not that stubborn in that sense. I think the only criticism of him when it came to stage games is like a thing that I feel like a lot of supports actually have. Is that when things aren't really going as good, either for him individually or just like, let's say you're down in a series or something, right? Um... I get a feeling that his response is that he that he like wants to make a play, you know? He wants to okay. like bounce back like that. Which is like kind of like a healy thing as well, I yes, think. Yes. <laughs> it's like you bounce back by like making something proactive happening like happen, where that's not always like the right response, right? Um but honestly besides that it was like really I mean it was really fun to work with all of them. Um and Trimby included. And I think he is very professional about like how to approach the game and reviews and all this stuff. So, oh, super cool. I think it's like the way everything played out. I think, like, obviously the finals is the finals, right? But like from uh, from an outside point of view, I, I, Ajit was 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 a clear favorite, of course. And in my mind, I don't think it could have played out um, any better in terms of what you wanted out of it and what Fnatic wanted out of it. How how do you feel in, in, in the aftermath? Uh yeah, I mean before I was even approached, I didn't honestly expect Fnatic to even make it to the final. Yeah, same. Uh I thought they could. And I thought that they would lose against G2 if they did, regardless. So I mean I thought oh, of course like did I mean I think like everyone else that G two was like the big favorites. Mm. I mean and even after uh helping them sub in. I still knew that we were the underdogs, but of course, like I'm not gonna like uh, go into any series thinking that no matter what happens, we're gonna lose. Because if the reality is that on every any given day, like it just takes like one or two games, mm. and you are you basically won the series, right? And I even think um, the series we played against G2 could have easily been won, and I think we were. It was like in our hands also to win some of these games with the positions yep, yep. we were in, but we just didn't like clutch it out or we threw and stuff like this happened, you know. Um, and of course, like we were maybe if we played fifty games, we would have gotten even more smashed than we were. Like we would could have lost more because they were the favorites. And I think uh, on average, maybe we we should have lost. But it was for sure possible to win the series. And uh, yeah, I mean, besides that, I mean, going into it, I did think the G2 was the better team. Uh, but I, honestly, a lot of things in these two weeks have also surprised me about uh, Fnatic that I didn't expect. Okay. With like okay. Trimby included and I mean, how Rasek performs and uh, Humanoid with uh, like playing like good meta champions and i don't know for noah like i actually always i mean i'm not gonna say always but i actually wrote to shapes about it because i wanted to <laughs> i was like pitching the idea of playing with noah um before fanatic even approached him 
and like I even like brought it up that maybe Noah would be a good replacement going into the the splits to come. Mm. And then when he wrote me about it, they had a few options, and he wrote me about my thoughts about who they could have actually gotten for the team, like going into summer, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, there were people like European players that had played before, and maybe some that would have been like a safer bet. But I felt like Noah had like the biggest upside. So I honestly, I just told him as well that I think if you want like the best chance of winning, you should. I would. I would pick Noah or or them, right? And I think besides like, of course, there's all this stuff about like him having jitters on stage and everything. I think he. I can feel that he's like really trying, you know, and he, um, he doesn't need, I mean, some imports need like a lot of, uh, security to, or like to not feel homesick or to like, yeah, keep grinding, you know, but I feel like he's really like trying to, to win. And this was like his rookie split, you know, and he did play maybe a little bit worse than he would have if it was not on a big stage. But I think in, in like overall, he also had like some really good games against BDS, against uh, against Matt as well. Like he was not like he was not just choking every game. You know, he had like one really bad game, I guess, in in comparison to this to his other ones. But I don't think he was like choking out of his mind, maybe as people like to make it seem like. Okay, well. He had that uh, short stint, I believe, was over in LCK, right, with the KT. Yeah, okay. I think something that, that I, I would imagine helped him a lot was just the fact that he actually spent time in the ERLs and like spent time in Europe uh, uh, playing. I think uh, you need, it's like, it's it's a lot to take in at, at, at once for anyone that like for the first time moves to Berlin, right, and has a new environment, but it's even more so for someone that... Uh, comes to an environment that is so foreign on so many aspects to do that uh, uh, on their own. Like I have experience in, in that with uh, like bringing over Mowgli, right? And I think that was, there's so much that you need to adjust to, to assume that your level is going to transfer is, is a very, very big uh, demand. I think when you have um, those imports that just click right away and, uh, like, uh, for example, like when Trick came over, right? Like he just, uh, it just clicked for him, right? And he just became an absolute machine. I think similar, same thing could be said probably for Spirit too, but I think that people don't have a fond memory of Spirit, even though I thought that he was really, really fucking insane. Um, yeah. I think also for Huni, Huni ran over, like there was a package deal, right? That came over. I think that was also something that was carefully planned, but for the most part, it's like there's a lot of uh, challenges in the adjustment period and it seems like Noah is going to have like a, like he seems to be the type of player that is going to just get better uh, that's that's the feeling i get yeah i mean i think of course like everything i say about all like i mean they could have just been on their best behavior as well right like i was yeah, actually yeah. <laughs> i was only with them for like i mean i practiced with them for maybe like what 25 games in total something like that and we were on a road show, you know, things are usually like a little bit more loose, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, we are playing, they are playing with a sub, so maybe in their minds as well, this is just like, no matter what happens, you can just brush it off and say it like that, you know, and I don't know how everyone was 
during the entirety of the split, like maybe Noah and Trimby really fucking hated each other, you know? Like <laughs> I don't know, right? But when I was no, there, this <laughs> uh, when I was there, this this was the feeling that I got. Yeah. Um, that everyone was like trying really hard, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think Noah and, and Trimby included as well. I think in the end, it's like uh, coming into those BO5s, that's where the stress level is very, very alleviated. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you're speaking <laughs> mostly truth, of course, in terms of yeah. their character, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, in theory, uh, from like, I mean, going into BO5s can like, it can be both ways, right? It can be like really stressful if you feel like you're not prepared, but I feel like you should always be of the mindset that if something had to be changed going into a roadshow, then it's like too late already, you know? So you should just embrace that this is what we have. And yes, yes. I feel like, I feel like they, I mean, I feel like everyone was kind of doing that, you know, like, uh, as you said, probably winning against BDS already like exceeded what Fnatic had hoped for with the, given the situation they were in. And maybe what even I had hoped for as well, right? Because of course, like if we lost against BDS, they could have had any other top laner and they would have lost against BDS. It wouldn't have mattered, right? So uh, I could give them the win against BDS by me being me, I guess, and helping them out. Was already probably, I mean, for me, it was not right because I felt like Matt was beatable and even G2 as well, to some extent. They are not like completely unbeatable. So uh, you always want to go further. But in the minds of like, the public even and also just expectations this should already have exceeded expectations you know that we managed to beat bds with like uh given the situation everyone was in and maybe that alleviated like a lot of stress as well for them hmm. in um in terms of the the coaching staff because this was uh so it's heva nightshare shavy baby i know that um gax was there too from the academy team and occasionally freeze was there like that's that's the packed house how how were how they working? How was it working together with them? I imagine that uh, Shaves was working closely with you because I know how Shaves works and he's going to do his utmost best to to prepare you. But in regards to how the, the, the structure of it all, uh, how, how, how did you enjoy it and how, how did they like to, to, to work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in compared to winter, where I think the coaching structure was... There was like a lot of what I at least considered like time waste, like a lot of like there was like this classic, you know, basically what we talked about earlier, where like the coach um, and to some extent the staff as well, like demands you to play within their frame, like their mind. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a lot more free in how they do it right now. And uh, there's, of course, like the essential like draft meets and all this kind of stuff and like meet about like how you want to like uh, what is it called like approach the weekend or the week of scrims even uh, and stuff like this but it's not like pushed over the edge like unnecessary time waste uh, and all this doesn't happen to the same extent um, obviously we had a lot more to talk about with me coming in and then a lot of things that they could uh tell me about like for example we rewatched um the stage game they played against excel so we and with me like with me as well so like we could all like kind of i could like kind of be introduced to how they talk and stuff like this mm -hmm. right uh but in general i think the 
the time they take and the amount they like trust the players is also a lot better. Um, like I don't think like Nightshare doesn't he doesn't pride himself on on being like super knowledgeable. You know, he doesn't push his knowledge on like other people. And of course, it's like it's fine. Like it's fine to to do that if you have knowledge as well, right? But he he doesn't like waste time speaking about something that he already knows within himself that he he there's no reason for him to say you know mm. and this is like the big, biggest difference from from winter and i think i mean honestly they all worked really well together i mean some people focus a lot more on bot lane like kiva for example because he's the the player on bot now they had oscar watching on the sideline and he would of course with shaves as you said like watch uh from my pov and we would go over some things um like just ideas like yeah well basic ideas of how like the matchup should be played or if you are supposed to drop a wave something like that you know the usual uh and uh, gux was uh, i mean i hadn't met him before i i think he was a part of the academy team or something yep, yep. um but yeah i mean i was surprised by him as well he was like everyone was like pitching in with their ideas but not when they didn't have to you know they were just like helping solve like they felt like everyone was working towards like the same common goal you know sometimes there was like some unnecessary stuff but it was not to the same extent as in winter i see i see no that's that's so that the humility and knowing what you know and is 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 crucial because i think there's definitely environments where as as you mentioned yourself uh, people take ego and pride in having perceived impact when sometimes it's not necessary and can have definitely like the opposite effect. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the best thing you can do is do nothing, right? It's the same that applies in game <laughs> also yes. applies when you're taking up space in a room or when you feel like you have to fill in like a void that doesn't either exist or that you can't actually fill in. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, that's at least some of the biggest issues I have with people. Some people might not mind it at all, but I feel like the biggest issue that I have when I work with um, with people that do that is, yeah, it's just it feels like it feels like you're kind of like trapped, and you have to like endure listening to this before you can move on. You know, when there's no need for it to for someone to talk about something in the first place right uh but yeah i mean you know me so you know this as well yes but yes i don't like i don't like just wasting time basically <laughs> of course of course uh, stems from what we mentioned before too right it's like uh, it's like efficiency and feeling like what you're doing matters is like is at the center of of everything it's like the moment that's yeah. out of the window phew, everything becomes just so draining. It's like if you're putting something into something and there is no movement in any direction and potentially even negative, oof, the days become long and people want to go home after scrims. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it becomes, I mean, which, it, I mean, everyone will go through this, but it basically just becomes like, yeah, a, a job, right? And you end up waking up and wishing it was an off day you know yes yes and ideally it shouldn't be like that it's 
I mean, off days are great, you know, like even when you're winning, like it was, you need off days still, but uh, it shouldn't feel, you shouldn't wake up and feel like you don't want to go to work, you know, and that's for sure how it felt like in winter, maybe even some points in 2022, but for sure in winter, it felt like that. And that's, I mean, that's a big reason of why I, I guess I didn't mention that, but yeah, that's a big reason why I didn't continue either, right? So Yeah, yeah. No, it's... I don't envy people that work nine to fives and they they hate the job, man. That's yeah, that's tough. If man. you like your job, that's fine. But if you hate your job, uh, yeah, that's. that's I I hope um, everyone has the can can eventually find the means to 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 break through. But I understand that there's a lot of moving pieces, right? It's like sometimes people need to care for others and need to care yeah. for people. But I can in our line of work. Performance is so crucial. So if you're wasting time, there's so many things that catch up to you. You know, it's like some jobs you can come into them and you can hate the job and just do the thing. Uh, but then there is things that are like performance driven at the highest level where it's like the love for the work needs to be there because you're going to get beaten by teams that have that in place. Right? Yeah. So the G2 series you mentioned, I had to uh, break up old wounds. Well, not old wounds. They're pretty fresh, right? They're pretty fresh, but that's okay. It's okay. What what, uh, what stood out to you as the things that uh, could have been different? Like, I, I have some ideas, but I think people would rather hear from um, you. <laughs> I mean, I think from, like, personal play, I think the first two games against BDS could have been better. But ever since then, I think, honestly... I mean, I made mistakes, but I think the people I played against on average made more mistakes. And mm -hmm. I, that applies to Broken Blade as well. Like, I think, um, like, he played really well some games, but I would actually say, like, on average, given the games and, like, the matchups, like, I was usually, I would say, performing on a pretty good level. I'd say for the series against G2, there were, like, a lot of things that... Like uh, like I made mistakes. I made mistakes, obviously, like chasing into team fights. Um, yes, yes. Like a lot of things that went wrong, um, but also a lot of the games were just like kind of decided, not only by the nature of the draft, but also like in five minutes, basically, of the game because of like unlucky shit happening. You know, like some close calls, some three v threes maybe being taken that. Um, what is it called? Could have we could have waited with and just outscaled. Like there were like a lot of things that uh, were, I guess, like somewhat unlucky, right? Um, I think when if I throw my mind back to it without like knowing the the exact game states, I'd say game one was like really winnable against G two. Um, I think that's the game where like. Sunday ends up being like really big, right? But yeah. we are like in good game state. We have like good. You guys recovered as well. well. Recovered well after the the shit start because the start was also like wow, like people yeah, surviving yeah. with one HP left and right. I think you guys were down like six and one, like two K gold at some point, and then yeah, I think that game, well. that game, like yeah, BB was like kind of true. Like he was trying to play for the kills, you know, in lane. Um, and ended up like completely losing lane because of it, because he just like he tried to he played way too aggro basically <laughs> because under ran into matchup, um, and I guess like then he got a shutdown on Aphelios, got some plates. Then I waste ult because Miki baits me on a Drake fight, 
and I go back down and try and one v one him, and I die as well, right? Like stuff like this. I'd say if the game is like a lot more stable, we I would say we would probably win that game one. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you can say the game three we won. I'd say we primarily won because of draft as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so maybe if we won that game one, game three wouldn't have happened. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that we should have won against G2. Mm. Um, but there were definitely games that were winnable. Uh, I'd even say. Was it game four? Wait, I, can even I think, just I think it up, game right? four, it was the Draven game, right? Especially after that level one. Um, yeah, I think game four started pretty good, right? It's like, I think that Leona died and I think Draven might Like Iron killed the Rel in jungle as well and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and I was playing Orn into Cassante going like completely even. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was like the bouncing wave on bot that uh, like Ivan was there to defend the dive. But instead, yeah. it was just like an all-out 3v3 where Draven like completely recovered the game. And that was like... Not yeah, necessary and, I'll comp, and I'll comp if we are just like... If we're just like not too far behind where we don't have damage to kill anyone. It's basically like we have Ornold against Syndra Draven. We have Talia to follow up Nautilus. We have like... The Syndra Draven shouldn't be able to play this game, you know? Yes, yes. Um, I think, I guess, one regret. Maybe not this game. But... I had like some Gwen angles that I think were good. Not against I was not here, that but actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. But against Matt, but we just had so little practice that in practice I actually, like I knew I was confident on playing Gwen, and we were like heavily considering as well, like on stage, you know, talking about it. But in this game, in the game four, we, I mean, Orn was also decent because mm -hmm. there's like when we go out of lane, like Arnold against Draven Syndra follow our follow up like we would basically just like they can't be on our screen basically and i, I think when with you had mid that game you had talia we had right? talia. talia ivan uh, yeah so when with that is not necessarily like yeah, that insane yeah. either um there were better gwen angles which i think i should have taken um but yeah i mean i think game four given the state of the game could have been winnable as well um but it's just like i mean there, there's these other small things i think draft played like a huge uh a huge uh, impact as well i think on game two where like even decided to part top because i said uh that if he bounces the wave we can actually kill him but then he gets invaded by olaf right uh mm -hmm. like we could have like there was just a lot of things that if we had played more games together we would have probably been a bit more prepared for what was going to happen right uh, but that's i mean that's just the nature of it i see i think a department where G2 showed like a lot of class and I think probably would be like the decider um, was I I, th I thought that the way they just fought was uh, with, with very, very obvious intent always. They seemed to be very in sync on when to turn, when they posture forward, when they wanted to play those fights. Like they, they were very, very sharp at uh, uh, just, just fighting in general. I, I felt like yeah. uh, G2... Their approach seemed to have paid off uh, directly after MSI when they recognized like their flaws, and it seems like they've tried to restructure themselves to be a more uh, consistent team rather than the team that is very reliant—not reliant, but very good at producing uh, leads that um, are so big that whatever you do will be right. And it seems like that yeah. uh, in the end paid off big time, uh, especially now going into the World Championship against you guys. I think that was also uh, quite evident in terms of how they like just moved in unison, which is something that you see more in, um, let's say, 
uh, from from LPL teams or some of the Korean teams too. Yeah, for sure. Their biggest strength is like their team fighting and how they play like uh, after lane. Um, I don't know if it will be like a big strength when they go into Worlds and play against the Eastern Yeah, that's team. just the standard. <laughs> yeah, I do think the biggest. I mean, I might be biased, right? Because I mean, I, like Broken Blade's really good in in Europe, right? He was like the best performing European top laner probably all year. I mean, some people maybe Photon in spring or like winter. Uh, some people would say that, right? But I'd say like on average, like the best performing top laner in yeah. Europe this year. Um, and also some of the other lanes like Kansama and all this, right? I think they have been really good. But I think honestly, their biggest disadvantage is just getting out of like getting out of lane basically <laughs> i don't know if the they context will... against uh, eastern teams yeah to, yeah i mean of course like in in europe and against the american teams they are completely fine right hmm. um maybe even against some lower seat teams um uh, with, like, with like worse laning players i mean some of them have really good players yeah. in laning as well right <laughs> but across the board basically um i think it will be hard for them to get out I mean, I played like two weeks and I go back in and I feel like against like Chasey, against Adam, against Broken Blade, there are some of these matchups that they are not very good at playing. Like, for example, I was playing Poppy against Chasey, Cassandra, right? Mm. And this matchup, he should be like up in CS, not, not by a lot, but by a little bit. And he should maybe be like one played up. But he was like struggling to crash the wave and, and getting out traded. I was always on one percent HP. He was like on fifty percent, you know. Um Broken Blade, I think some of the champs that he will pick into like Renekton, for example, if that's meta, like Klet or something, would he would get it would be like kinda it, I don't think it would be as good as of an approach mm. uh for them against the Eastern teams. Um I think also Hansama was playing like a little bit worse maybe because of stage jitters in the final like in the first couple of games um like he was getting like caught by some cinder qe ults like stuff like this you know yes, yes. like always spending his summoners things like this um and they are by no means bad you know but i'm just like nitpicking things where i think they will be exposed and i think it's probably like lane phase deficits and like er, like mostly early game, but I think later in the game, if they're not too far behind and they are not playing like their troll comps, which I think they have like been like doing a little bit too much in Europe, like the fiddlesticks, Clet or whatever they were playing, which I think has like no, it's like never gonna work. Um, if they don't do that and they sharpen a bit up on this, I think they can be, I mean they will be the strongest Western team, but I, they will be maybe competitive. Like in the against Eastern teams as well. No, I, I I'm definitely in in agreement on that department. It seems it seems very very tough. But and on my end, like I don't feel bad about it as people do because I'm not filled with the delusion that that the gap was ever closed. You know, because as mentioned, you know, outlier case. I'm here with Wunder, You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, bro, I was saying on, on the sack, you know, I was saying that there's no way that like the any European team wins a BO5 against uh, an Eastern team yeah. or like a Korean or Chinese team, I should say, uh, this was. And I'm kind of still of the same opinion, honestly. I mean, nothing really changed. Yeah, I, I mean, just the fact 
I mean, I guess it's like hard to say as well. But I mean, I think my whole team was playing like really insane, like uh, Rasa, Cumulate, Noah, and Trimby Red. But it's like also a bit worrying that I just I can stop in without playing at all, and it's not like it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not worrying, but I just feel like it's a bit worrying that it's not like hard for me to play. You know, yeah, and yeah. keep up with a week with a week of practice. I I appreciate uh, the the point you're making, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But also, I think probably you are the only person that could pull this off, honestly. I could, I may, may, you and maybe. I mean, I've never tried. I've never tried before, so I guess it's like a first. There's a first time for everything, but uh, yeah. I mean, this is just the feelings I get that like because I was watching like this these two weeks. I was playing a lot, watching a lot of odds, and I'm just trying to replicate what the Eastern teams are doing within the laning phase. And I'm not even like execute, like I'm making mistakes, right? Uh, but it's like still kind of working, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that kind of worries me, you know, when when that like, I mean, I mean, I'm not worried as in like, I, I don't have like no reason to, to cheer for any European teams. I think it's doomed as fuck, you know? But mm. it like worries me in the sense that I don't actually, I mean, I think it's, it just confirms my beliefs, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. No, this, it's like, it's easy to forget due to LEC scheduling being so late, but the, the LPL teams are very, very different. And like, LCK is a bit different because I think the power level between some of them is, is kind of strange. It's like, I think KT is much better than what they show against T1. And T1 is a strange team. And then there's Genji that is really, really fucking solid. Um, but LPL is like, it's so easy to, to just look at them because of like LNG, Bilibili, JDG, and those three teams are like, the, the, those are like the, 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 the picture frame of what uh, everyone should be scared about. But, but thank God European teams can bootcamp in Korea because I think that could make a big difference. That's true. Was it 2019 that, or 2020 was Worlds in Europe, right? Yeah. And was that the year? No, 2019 was Worlds in 2019. Europe. 2019. Okay. 2020 was China, I think. Oh, yeah, it was COVID. It was the COVID situation where yeah. uh, uh, Mad Lions didn't uh, <laughs> make it through planes. They lost to Armut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in 2019, we didn't boot camp in Korea, but that was a mistake. That we were like so far behind. messy. I, I heard, I remember the stories of you guys, like Damon arrives and you scream again, yeah. Damon. You guys had some catching up to do. I mean, honestly, if, if the Korean teams just went together and said, don't scream G2, we would have been completely fucked up. Like, uh, we were so far behind. <laughs> Holy. But no. they helped us out, I guess. <laughs> no, that part is pretty fucking, uh, I think that's so important. Because like last year, it's like, sure. It's like our team specifically, we needed some time off. Maybe a different team doesn't need as much time off as we did. Like we took like four or five days and then we had content. And then yeah. we had to fly to fucking Mexico. And like in total, maybe we could have like some practice days in Europe screaming against Turkish team. But like in total, maybe we could have like six, seven scrim days before playing starts. And then between planes and, and the fucking main tournament, there was no time either because we had media days and we had to fly and... It's like that part was 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 really really in in a different circumstance. If we were a team that would really need that practice, you know, 
and it would help us, that would have bothered me a lot more than it did at the time. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like a blessing that Asian Games is in place because coming into next year, I would have concerns about this again because not only us, but it's like G2 and Rogue and um, Mad. It's like they didn't fucking. Wait, was it Mad? Who the fuck went towards us? Yeah. Mm, yeah, Mad G2, went, yeah. Mad. But they got knocked out in Blends. Oh, yeah. There we go. Let's <laughs> yeah. see. Uh, like these teams didn't scrim at all or practice at all not that it wouldn't matter because I think that it was a fairly weak year for Europe coming into Worlds maybe it would yeah. have made a difference but the fact that no one could like scrim for real in New York was was that's gonna be like a, a doomsday spelling and that's going to counteract some of the outlier cases that could potentially happen for, for Europe in the future yeah I agree with that yeah so Wunder, we, we've we've talked now for almost three hours. Yeah, I'm about to like my bladder is about to burst. I think actually, I I wanted to you know, I wanted to do two things before we end. You know, uh, okay, okay. Well, well, they're rather short. It's like first, it's like you know, the like G two played into this meme. They're very very good memesters. You know, they're very very good marketing, best marketing, best best org. I think you know. In terms of uh, you know extracting value from what esports is very very fantastic. This is no shade on them, but yeah. it's like the for example with Yankos, they really sold the whole his old thing, and that carried over. You know, it's like with you, it's a whole world of Warcraft thing, and you played into it too. But you know, in in essence, there's there's people out there that believe in in it's like oh, Wonder is is not working out. What would you say uh, to dispel that? And I would of course support that because I I, I know you very very well. Uh, I mean, it depends on kind of like what era, I guess. Uh, because I mean, I had been with G2 for wait, what it was like three years, right? Yes, yes. And I guess even after that, those memes continued. Um, but I mean, one thing that is for sure is that like, whenever we were screaming, like I was always trying like really hard, um, to like, if it came to, just like making sure that the uh, matchups like matchup knowledge or just like yeah just like a lot of like i was putting a lot of effort into basically just the scrims because i felt like of course like well the scrims are the best practice you can have to the first stage right the solo queue is not the good practice. like there's no reason to put as much effort into solo queue as you do to scrims um and besides that it's just depending like depending on how much i felt like i needed to practice certain matchups is how much I would play solo queue usually. That would be like the case. Um, or if I, if there was like a champ that basically like let's say Shivana or something that I really thought was could be good and also was fun to play in 2019, I would maybe I would spam it a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, for sure, like compared to my teammates, um, like Caps, for example, or even Jankos, because he. <laughs> Basically, he has like a second job, which is streaming, you know, where he just spams solo queue. Yes, yes. Like, I was for sure not playing as much as them. Uh, at times, maybe I was playing as much as Perks. If he had like, he also was like, at certain times, he would play way less solo queue. And sometimes he would like play a lot, right? Um, he had like a balance like that as well. I was probably like playing a little bit less than that even. But it's, there are players like, uh, <laughs> 
that was like compared to my teammates, you know, which is why the meme had been like born, you know. Yes, that yes. I was doing other things to like take my mind off, well, basically, um, the game for a little bit. I was just doing things where some people might like read a book. I was just playing another game, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. And that was kind of how I operated. Uh, and I still do sometimes, but I mean, <laughs> only if the game. If there's another game that is good and that I like, you know, <laughs> it's not like I don't just play. I don't play WoW all the time, you know. I just I'm just chilling when I feel like it's best for me to chill, and that's basically how I operated for the most part. But yeah. I mean, right now, honestly, I have like enjoyment from League as well. Of course, like there's no point in me sitting spamming like 20 games every single day and like completely and losing the joy I have for League before like a split starts. I feel like that makes no sense. But uh, yeah, with the new format and all that, it makes a lot more sense to be in shape before the splits even start right now. Mm. Because, I mean, you need to perform. Like, if you're not performing week one, then you're maybe already fucked, you know? And it's not always like that. Like, you had a little bit more leeway. Uh, Like, of course, you always practice before a split started, but you might have, like, practiced not to win but just to be like ready on some some champions yes, and yes. also everything but now i feel like you have to be ready on everything and i guess that's how i'm gonna practice from now on you know with the format in mind okay, okay. and uh like i can also uh, uh add knowing like i i we've worked together for for five splits in total and there was never a point in time where I felt like you were not in tune with what was expected from you and you bringing that in on a day-to-day basis. And I just wanted to have that said out loud, you know, because I know that, you know, sometimes as, as a viewer, you might have a perception on someone because you're not as heavily invested to things. And that's okay, right? Because some people consume things like that and that's perfectly fine. It's like, it's like I, I watch a drive to survive, but I haven't watched a single Formula One race. It's like my knowledge mm-hmm. on Formula One is like, is like me saying, yeah, w- Wunder is a World of Warcraft player. Like that's, that's basically yeah. the, the, the level of, 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 of consumption that uh, I, I have. But I wanted to have that said uh, out loud because I, I, yeah, I, I mean, know. what you said is, is like, I mean, what I believe in for the most, mostly as well, right? Like if, like if you ever show up to scrim, and you are not feel like I want to show up to every scrim and like feel it, you know. <laughs> I don't like if you are showing up to a scrim and you don't feel like being there or playing, then you are wasting the time of all your teammates as well, you know. That's like the worst you can do, basically. So yes, if you are yes. not, if you're if you have been spamming ten hours of solo queue, all this doesn't matter if you show up to scrims and you are wasting everyone's time, you know. That's like the worst you can do, I think. And then finally, before your bladder bursts, Wonder, we will be seeing you in the LEC next year. Uh, I mean, that was always my hope, yeah. I don't know when... No LCS business, huh? We keep you here in Europe. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, like, I'm not gonna say... I'm not gonna, like say i have i'm not gonna like limit myself in my options c9 right? wonder georgio pune oh. because right <laughs> now i mean yeah i mean you say that right like i i'm of the beliefs that 
there are only certain NA teams that are probably worth joining, and C9 would be one of them. So like, there I feel like the top tier NA teams are like teams that can have like the they kind of have like the same culture as some European teams. I feel like yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I would only go to teams that are not top NA teams if I had like absolutely no offers. You know, mm-hmm. this would be my last resort to try and then, I guess, make a name for myself in NA, right? But uh, as of right now, um, I'm hoping that I get some good offers. And uh, that was always my plan, regardless if I stopped in or not. I was always going to be wanting to play next year. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll make that a possibility, I hope so at least. Uh, to, to, to round off, it's like, if I work in a team in any capacity coming into next year, then... I, as a person that would build a team, Wunder would be a number one uh, target for me, 100%. And Maybe I'm, we'll have a reunion then. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I, I, I'm happy uh, that you got uh, uh, an opportunity to, to, to show yourself off a little bit, you know? Because it's like, I know how the, the space works sometimes, and uh, yeah. it can be sometimes very, very unfair. And... I'm I'm happy that you got the the chance to show yourself off. In the end, you know, it's like people uh, need to know who the top lane goat of of, of Europe is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it was good. it was good for sure for my in for my career. Yeah. It's fucking horrible for fucking Oscar Irin, though. But I I hope that he can extract whatever uh, good he can out of the situation and use yeah. it to. I mean, to I hope himself. they do. I hope they do good at Worlds. Like, I mean, I, as I said, I don't have much hope for uh, like the Western teams overall, right? But mm. if they can show uh, good performances in spite of that, that's probably the best case for them. Uh, and I mean, like as a rookie player playing Worlds in your first year, I mean, regardless of the circumstances of how you got there or what happens, I guess uh, hope for him, he makes the best of it anyways. Yep, yep. You, uh, is there any chance that you play for Fnatic at Worlds? Like, or is he mm. cleared on the recovery path from his I mean, from what I've been told, then, uh, no. I mean, I think if I would have something had to go wrong in surgery, and since he already had surgery, I think it's pretty unlikely. Okay. I mean, unless he, like, breaks it again or something. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know what would have to go wrong. I assume, like, at least in my head, how it would work is once you have surgery and nothing went wrong during the surgery, I think you are like, it's like pretty reasonable to expect that the time frame that you have gotten is the time frame it's going to be until you can play again. Okay. Uh, and that's with Worlds included for him. So I don't think I will be playing, but I guess I will be in Korea and in case anything happens, maybe, uh, maybe it could happen, you know, uh, I don't know. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. No, I, I hope that he recovers quickly and that they can actually like find time to to scream and practice in 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 Korea. I hope because uh, that's also essential, right? Like if he recovers one week ahead of Worlds, then you know it's yeah. gonna be like a that would be hard for bucket sure. Bucket of cold water. It's gonna be rough. Yeah. Wonder three hours. We locked in three, three hours. hours, man. This has been we a pleasure. It. The time went uh, went went past. I'm noticing now. I'm fucking very hungry, actually. 
I'm yeah, I'm hungry, hungry, but I definitely need to rush to the toilet after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then, Wunder, I'm going to round off. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. Thank you, Wunder, for taking the time. I am excited to see you in Tracking the Pros. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be streaming. I'm going to be a goblin here in Europe, but uh, I'll be paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll probably join the sack for the world. I mean, I'll be going home like two days after play and start. So I guess I'll be in the sack then. You're going like to be able, actually, maybe if you go on that fuckery sleep schedule, then you're going to be perfect. Cause it's going to start at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows, who knows. I'm hoping I get co-streaming, right? I, I, I reached out. I, I, I have the bat signal up and I'm hoping that... Uh, I get to work with uh, with a specific team, but I don't want to name yeah. them to put pressure on them because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool like that. Okay. Yeah. Boom.